Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. River. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. Welcome to the show on a beautiful Monday to kick off. What is this, the second week in January? Corner 12th and Rose. This show is brought to you by our friends at Andrew Shared Limited. Providing plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at Sherrod.com. I am Michael Ball. That is my wingman, Sean Kleisinger. Not just a producer, co-host too. You haven't got the paycheck to say you're the co-host, but that's coming, Zanger. Trust me, it's coming. How are you doing, bud? Good, man. Well, not I'm good. Not I'm, that I'm, good. I'm not, I'm not uh, good. I felt bad for kid, you. Man. I felt God. bad for you. I was going to send you a message. I did text you during that Packers game and say... It should not be this hard to beat the Detroit Lions, which, yeah. to which you responded two words, effing brutal. And then I just left you alone <laughs> the rest of the night. Appreciate that, man. Can you believe that? Like, they have a chance. They win four in a row. They got a chance to go to the playoffs. And Aaron Rodgers, check this out, Zinger. They were a number one seed two years, like, two years in a row pr- uh, prior to this. They lost to old man Brady. Jimmy Garoppolo, and then he lost to Jared Goff before they get to the playoffs. Is it time to move on from him? Because he kind of hinted that he's he's done that that Detroit Lions player. I forget his name, but he asked for Rogers jersey in Detroit after they uh, had beat Detroit earlier or beat Green Bay earlier in the year. And Rogers said, "Ah, uh, not yet. Check check me out in Week 18." Then he asks. Yesterday, and Rogers said, now I want to hold on to this one. So everybody's speculating that's it for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it's the same thing over, like, it was the same thing last year. Like, it's, it's the curious, the, you know, we're going to see what happens. I don't, I, I still think he's going to play one more year just because the way that his contract is. Well, he holds all the cards. A-Rod, a- as we call him, uh, received He's due in 58 March. million. Yeah, he's due uh, actually 60 million, and it's fully guaranteed. Now, if he wants to stay, of course he's staying. If they cut him, they won't because they don't own the money. No, they can't do that. And they won't trade him because... Nobody's going to take on that financial responsibility. He is stuck in Green Bay till he retires. If they cut him, the Packers would be hit with like a $100 million dead cap. No, he's like coming that. back or he's retiring. He's That's gonna, it. Yeah, he's back for one more year, I think. I believe that, too. Hey, did you see Bernie Kosar, the former Cleveland Browns uh, <laughs> quarterback, who's had some alcohol issues in the past, but this has nothing to do with that. I'm just saying he's had a, kind of had a troubled life since he left uh, Cleveland in that regard. He's big in that town, though, still a legend. He got fired before their last game. He's a radio analyst, got fired on the Cleveland Browns radio network before their last game against Pittsburgh because uh, he placed... A $19,000 wager on Cleveland, because that's what he wore, number 19 in his time with the Browns, to beat the rival Steelers, because they had just legalized gambling in Ohio on sports betting, and so he made a symbolic bet, and that's against NFL policy, so they fired him. 
He's gone. He's gone. Crazy. Crazy. Um, all right. Got to be pretty dumb to do that. Uh, no? It is pretty dumb. Go now, in generally, in the, generally a zinger in the um, NFL, it's called Black Monday. We get coaches, GMs, people getting fired. <laughs> so, And generally, it's about seven to eight guys get replaced every year. Now, you got to factor in who's already been fired. Matt Rule got fired in Carolina. Frank Reich got fired in Indianapolis. Nathaniel Hackett got punted in Denver. Lovey Smith gets fired <laughs> after like one <laughs> season. That's the second year in a row they fired a coach after one season as the top guy on the sideline. What a grease fire the Texans are. And then uh, Cliff Kingsbury. We saw his sweet pad during the draft when he had his feet kicked his feet up on the coffee table. Everybody's talking about, oh, look at that sweet bachelor pad. Well, he's got more time to spend there after four seasons fired as head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And Steve Kime, their GM, uh, walks away because of health issues. They're blowing it out. Do you think if the Chargers lose to the Jags coming up here on Saturday night, uh, it, that's probably the closest wild card round. Do you think Brandon Staley is out and Sean Payton is in? Now, Staley's done a great job to get the Chargers there through injuries and everything like that. But let's be honest here. He... For whatever reason, you don't play guys in the preseason, but you play them in a meaningless game yesterday. Joey Bosa tweaked something. He should be okay. Mike Williams had to be helped to the team bus because of a back injury. Mike Williams, one of their best receivers. All I know is he's going to be gone if the Chargers lose. I don't know if Peyton's going to be the guy, but you can you can bet your sweet Barassa that he's gonna, <laughs> that he's going to be gone. I don't know. Like I, I, he's done a good enough job getting him there. Had he not done that yesterday in Denver, playing those guys into like deep into the third I just quarter, don't think he's very smart, man. No. Like, well, he's not. If he's he's doing smart. That. He's not smart. No, that is going to be a that is going to be a tough one though. That, that is going to be a close one on Saturday. Like I night. think the two coaches in the playoffs that could be the next coaches fired to stick with our whole motto of seven eight guys getting fired is Brandon Staley or Mike McCarthy whose team tailed off at the end and they play in Tampa and Tampa Tampa's going to be has them. a grass field and Dallas doesn't play good on grass. Mm-hmm. I think Tampa's going to win. Brady, yeah. Oh, yeah. Brady at win. under 500 is going to Didn't they finish under 500? Yeah, eight, nine. yeah, they're going to they're literally going to beat Dallas and go to the second round of the playoffs. Just you know the Packers are 8 and 9, the Bucks are 8 and 9, but the Bucks are in the playoffs cuz they win their division. Yada yeah. yada yada. It yeah. doesn't sit well with me. I'm not happy today. No. Staying with the football theme, the uh FCS Championship. Congratulations to Max Paulus Chuck who was on the show last week courtesy of Zinger and Ethan Vibert from Miller Paulus Chuck from Sheldon. Now Paulus Chuck had a cup of coffee at Sheldon, spent most of his high school in prep schools in the states. Anyway, they were on SDSU. They beat NDSU 45-21 for the national championship. NDSU came in the powerhouse. They'd won like eight of the last ten, including last year's, but they are done. And Georgia plays TCU tonight at SoFi where we were. It's kind of cool looking at that stadium now that we were there less than a month hey, ago or right around a month ago. I think that I think uh, that that's is the end, the that, end zone. that's where we play catch. Yeah, and you caught the pass for me in the corner and vice versa. That's right. That is the exact corner, too. Nice. That's the, yeah, that's the broadcast. Nice. Side. Now you can be listening to the radio and have your TV on quickly. Switch to the TSN and you'll see what Zinger yeah. is talking about. Uh, Georgia should roll them tonight, shouldn't they? Yeah, I think so, but I'm cheering for TCU. Me too. There's no doubt. Me too. Okay, and uh, in the NHL tonight, four games, three involving Canadian teams. Ottawa hosts Nashville. Um uh, 
Edmonton visits L.A., and Montreal entertains Seattle. Speaking of hockey, what about Connor Bedard last night? The single highest point total in one WHL game for him. Number 98 had a six-point night, four goals, two shorties, a power play, and an even-strength goal to go along with two assists. Here he is after the 6-2 win over Calgary. I don't know. I mean, uh, is is good, I guess. But uh, you know, it's it good for us. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, obviously Friday the boys were pretty pretty upset with that one. Obviously a tough loss, and uh, this was a big game to uh, to bounce back for sure. You know, I'm just trying to play my game. You know, wherever I am, and um, you know, for me it was it was obviously you know an honor to be able to play there. And um, you know, when I'm when I'm out there, you're you're having a lot of fun with those guys you're playing with. So I don't know if it took a leap, but I definitely learned learned a lot of things from being in that tournament again and uh, being with those guys. Yeah, it was good for us. I mean, uh, you know, obviously, like you said, uh, you know, pretty tight race here, kind of final five to nine or five to ten or whatever it is. So, um, you know, it's obviously competitive league like always. And, uh, you know, for us, that was, that was a big one. How neat was it just to play at home again for the first time since November 12th? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was nice. I mean, uh, you know, I missed it. Uh, you know, favorite rank. So, uh, but no, I mean, for me, it's been it's been a while. Like you said, you know, a couple months since I've since I've been able to play here. And uh, you know, what a turnout for us tonight. It was uh, you know, it was energetic, and uh, you know, a lot of people here. So, uh, you know, it was exciting for us, and uh, we're looking forward to continuing that. How long had it been since you really felt that kind of buzz in this building? Um, there's there's definitely some games. I think uh, obviously home opener was was pretty electric, and uh, there's been some games, but. Um, you know, I mean, I kind of forget because it's been so long since we played here. But uh, you know, we always we always have it good, and uh, you know, we're lucky to to be here and, and have these people. I saw on Twitter that somebody wrote that you got a text from Gretzky after the World Juniors. Um, I not like from him. I got one. Um, I forget. I forget who it was, but he texted him through like his phone, and this guy showed me. I can't remember who it was. So, uh, but yeah, it's cool, and uh, you know, probably the best player ever ever play is, uh, you know, even though so you are, so, uh, yeah, it's cool. Is it getting kind of surreal, just how this last month has been for you? Um, I don't know, I mean, you know, for myself, I think it's hard to, you know, really look at it, but, um, you know, when you, when you kind of do, it's pretty crazy to be in that tournament and, and win another another goal, I mean, that's two and, you know, four or five months for, you know, the eight of us or whatever it is, so, uh, that part's, you know, pretty crazy, but, uh, you know, for me, I'm obviously trying to take it a day at a time, and uh, you know, it feels like you're you're still just playing hockey like you were as a kid, and that's kind of how I look at it. But, you know, obviously, it's a lot when you're there, you're you know getting interviewed every day and, and whatnot. But um, you know, I think you know, for me, I try to look at it as a positive, and you know, I get to see myself on TV sometimes and stuff. So uh, that part's kind of cool. But um, you know, I'm just trying to you know relax when I get the chances and. Uh, you know, obviously here we got a we got a week with with no game, so that's probably probably good for my body. I mean, I like to play again tomorrow, but uh, you know, it's probably good. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about two other things. Back to football for a second. We'll hear more from Connor Bedard and Pat Chat after five thirty. We'll have them for probably a couple more months, um, which is unbelievable because the way uh, Cam Loops is loading up and um, and Winnipeg, you could have got huge, a huge. Windfall for Bedard, but he's got to approve the trade, and as we're told, he doesn't want to get traded. So there you go. All right. So Damar Hamlin's been a, a focus of the football world. The Bills' safety was hurt last Monday night, a week ago Monday night, almost died on the field, but got CPR from the assistant athletic therapist Denny Kennington of the Buffalo Bills. Well, the Pittsburgh Steelers, a couple of their players did a CPR celebration after a quarterback sack. What? I saw that man like 
they had to have not like known what they were like. Like, what's the point in that? I have no idea. What's but the? It, I, I saw that. I saw that. Uh, I actually saw that live. I was on NFL Red Zone. Yeah, and I couldn't like. Are Disgusting. They, are, are they making fun of them? Or, I, like, I didn't or get what? I didn't get it. Why did you have to pick that one of all the celebrations? A bunch you, of idiots. And did you even? Did you? Even, are you clueless? Exactly. Know the room. And then, God. and then the then the other thing about uh, Hamlin that I wanted to bring up is. He is doing remarkably well. The power of prayer or good thoughts or whatever you want to say. He has now been moved out of ICU in Cincinnati. He's updating us all on his own on Twitter and all the socials. He is now moving to a uh, breathing on his own. He's out of critical care. He's in Buffalo now at a hospital. Yeah, he tweeted uh, 51 minutes ago. He said, headed home to Buffalo today with a lot of love on my heart. Watching the world come together around me on Sunday was truly an amazing feeling. Yes. And you know what was amazing? And it's almost like, uh, well, I'm a Christian. If you're not, sorry if I offend you, but quite honestly, I can have my thoughts too. Uh, There has to be... In my opinion, I was like, there's got to be a God up there or somebody writing the perfect script. How about this play? The opening kickoff, Buffalo and New England. The Patriots kick it to Buffalo. Fielded at the four by Hines. Coming straight up the middle to the 20. Cuts it back at the 25. He's got an alley down the right sideline to the 40. 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Naheem Hines. 96 yards. Buffalo on the board with the first play from scrimmage. What a tribute to DeMar. This kickoff return unit set the tone for what today is going to be, and that's a celebration of number three, DeMar Hamlin. And that, uh, ironically, was the backup radio play-by-play guy because their main guy had a stroke, their longtime guy. I think his name's John Cooper, if I'm not mistaken, and he couldn't call the game. So this guy called the game in a, a very a historic moment. Naheem Hines takes it back, the first play after the big injury to his teammate, DeMar Hamlin, a week ago today in Cincinnati. When we come back, we'll speak with Tim Peel, former NHL ref. He joins us in the sports cage here for Andrew Shared Limited on 620. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. Our show is brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited, providing plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at Sherrod.com. Just endeavoring to get a hold of Tim Peel. Longtime NHL ref joins us on a pretty regular basis to talk hockey. He was with one of those uh, broadcasts where you talk about the game without doing play-by-play of it in real time. Sportsnet did a player's cast, and he was with P.J. Stock uh, doing that. So I wanted to get his thoughts on uh, doing that type of broadcast uh, as it looked like they were having a great time just kind of jaw-jacking in the locker room. And let's head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. Tim, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem at all, Michael. How are you today? Good, man. I uh, saw snippets on Twitter of that player's cast. You were doing kind of like a Manning kind of cast there, only hockey version, and watching the Oilers Avalanche game. How fun was that? It was great. I was with, uh, as you know, Jamal Mayers and P.J. Stock, and and uh, I haven't seen P.J. in a long time. Jamal Mayers and I coach a select team here in St. Louis that our, that our boys both play on, so I see Jammer a lot, but... No, it was fun. It was very enjoyable, and uh, 
whenever you're watching uh, McDavid and McKinnon play, it's always, uh, you know, there's going to be some highlight goals. Well, you guys are raving. We usually talk about McDavid, but how about Nathan McKinnon, the Stanley Cup chap? He really kickstarted that thing, and you talked about how he never skated in a, in a, in a straight line. It was all crossovers. It's unbelievable. It's it was six or seven or eight crossovers. Like it, the guy, it, I just it, he, it's incredible. I, I said to the guys at one at one point, I go, "What kind of skating lessons did, for example, Kale McCarr, uh, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon? Like, I wonder what they did as kids. Did they take figure skating? Like, what did they do that they?" are just that much better than everybody else in the league. It's truly remarkable, really, because whatever they did, I want to get my 10-year-old son Bronson to do. Well, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because a good friend of mine's Brooks Like, former Washington Capitol, yeah. of course, uh, uh, he actually, we had a we have a ball hockey tournament here right outside a radio station, and we did for like 13 years, brought NHL guys in. He was one of them, blocked the street off, raised money for charity, and I talked to him about this, and he said, you know what? You might get bugged, your kid might get bugged, but put your kid in fix Figure skating, that's the best thing my parents ever did. Yeah, I agree with them. It's all edge work, right, Michael? It's all edge work, and uh, there's something something to be said about that. Uh, I don't think that it's a coincidence that people that do figure skate become great hockey players, or great skaters at least. Uh, Tim, uh, we, we were talking about the injury to DeMar Hamlin. I know it's a football injury, but you're a sports guy. It's great to see that he's recovered nicely. Have you been around a situation like that on the ice where, I don't know, maybe it was life and death, or at least it was very uh, uh, catastrophic at the time? No, the only instances that I can think of uh, was the Erie Fisher one. I wasn't on the ice for that. Then we had Chris Pronger mm. with another one. No, so I, I fortunately wasn't. And then we had the Jay Bomeister one that I was watching on TV when that happened. Uh, that was in Anaheim, I think, in the playoffs, actually. And uh, But no, nothing that I was ever a part of, but... It, it's uh, remarkable that maybe it doesn't happen more often than than it does, really. But no, the only the biggest injuries. It's funny. I was telling this story the other day about how tough hockey players are compared to other athletes and other sports. And I remember I was doing a game in Chicago. It was the playoffs, and Duncan Keith took a, a puck to the face, and I think we picked up seven teeth off of the ice, and and. Within 10, 12 minutes later, 15 minutes later, here you see Duncan Keith jumping over the boards with a full-faced cage mask. And I'm like, these guys, either they're crazy or they're just a lot tougher than what I am. How about, how about Blake Wheeler? He took Josh Morrissey, his teammates, a uh, 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 shot off, broke his testicle. Like, it hit him right in the testicle. That's great. And he finished the game. You know what it is, Michael? That's just nuts. That's what it is. It's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> or not, as it were. Uh, um, hey, you uh, you just put something on your uh, Twitter feed, which, uh, by the way, you're a great follow there on Twitter, at uh, Tim C. Peel. Uh, on the Devil's Bench, Lindy Ruff has the team put headshots and names of each officials for the game. You you like that. So 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 is that a, is that a sign of respect? Why do you think Lindy does that? No, I think you're absolutely right. It is a sign of respect. We have so many young officials, you know, but going back 10 years ago, they didn't need to put a sign on there. You knew Don Van Massenhoven was, Bill McCreary, Mick Magoo, Gary Frazier, Dan Marwelli, on and on. But we, ha- we have a- had a-, a big turnover in the last four, five, six years. 
and a lot of new young officials coming in the league. And I, I love it. I know Minnesota, Dean Evanson does it. I think Sheldon Keith does it. I think there's more than, than a few, a couple teams that do it. And I think it's great because even when I was refereeing and I was working with, for example, a, a linesman that might have been relatively new in the league, and I, I heard it a, a hundred times over my career, and I'd hear a player go, because they always knew the refs' names, but they would say, hey, Liney, where's the face-off? And I'm like, hey, what do you mean, hey, Liney? Like, this guy's in the National Hockey League. Show him a, listen, respect. I never like to say show him a little respect because it goes both ways. The linesmen and the officials have to play, show the players a, a tremendous amount of respect, too. But I, we all have worked really hard to get to this, to this level. And I love that Lindy's doing it because, listen, if I'm a centerman, I want to know every linesman's name out there because when I come in, I'm going to go, hey, so-and-so, hey, so-and-so, how's the family, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, I'm not saying you're going to get an edge, but it's not going to hurt, right? Well, you guys are hu- you guys are, you guys are human beings, and it's funny you bring that up. we got about two minutes. This is a story Wendell Clark told me once. Everybody, He said, hey, everybody wondered why Wayne Gretzky uh, didn't get uh, smoked and, and batted around. And, yeah, some of it had to do with Semenko, but a lot of it had to do with the fact that Wayne was a nice guy. He goes, we would be in the referee circle uh, waiting for the call, and Wayne would turn to me and say, hey, what are you guys doing tonight? Uh, meet us here yeah. and here and all by meet us here and here and all buy beer and chicken wings. He goes, how could you hit a guy that's going to buy you beer and chicken wings and is the face of the league? Exactly. No, I I love it. I think I think uh, we need more of that in our sport, and especially with the guys not having their name on the back of the jerseys. I think it's important for for the players to at least get to know them a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And lastly, you mentioned you coach a selects team with Jamal Mayers, um, so you're coaching your son. Do you coach differently? Like, I guess where I'm going with this, how do you, how do you coach being that you were a ref before? Do you, do you coach the game differently because of that? A little bit. It bothers me. It bothers me uh, when I when I see our team take retaliatory penalties. I I tell them. I go. The ref always sees the second one. I go. Quit taking retaliatory penalties. And I know it's tough when you're ten, eleven, twelve years old to to you know to control your emotions sometimes. But yeah, no. And 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 Jamal and I. I remember at the beginning of the year last year, this is our second year coaching together, and and we caught ourselves yelling at a at a couple refs and. I said to him after, I go, we can't do this. I go, we have to set an example for the kids on our, on our bench. And I said, and here I am, a former ref. I go, we, cannot, we have to be the people that set the example. And uh, so I, I, I'm very good. I've got a ref school that you know, we're trying to improve mm-hmm. the officiating in St. Louis. And, and so I've always been, you know, I know what it was like. I was 13 when I started refereeing. But I brought Jamal. I, Jamal has made huge strides over the last couple seasons. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, Tim, we're done now, but I'd love to have you on in the future again. It's always a great chat with Tim Peel. Thanks for your time. Anytime, Michael. Have a great day. Thank you. Take care. That's Tim Peel. You can follow him on Twitter at Tim C. Peel, former NHL ref. When we come back, we'll, uh, well, we got lots in store when we come back, including a chat with Wavell Star, and we'll check in with our coach of the week. It's the Sports Cage for Andrew Shared Limited on 620. 
Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Give them a call at 781-2090. College Football National Championship tonight. The number three ranked TCU Horned Frogs versus the number one Georgia Bulldogs. It's from SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. Can't wait for that one. Texans have put in permission to interview 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans for their head coaching vacancy. Uh, per league sources, Ryans of course, was a former Texan standout, so that would be an interesting reunion there. Uh, the Calgary Stampeders have signed Canadian offensive lineman Zach Williams to a two-year contract extension. He was a third-round uh, selection by the Stamps in 2019. Williams had been eligible to become a free agent coming up here. And in- today... Our coach of the week's also a builder to John Spenson out in Melville. He's been instrumental in keeping that program at all levels of the sport going in that city. John, thanks for, for being our coach of the week and guesting with us with the spotlight shining on you. How long have you been coaching for out there in Melville? Well, I've been coaching 30-plus years. Uh, this is my 31st year of teaching. So, yeah, I've been involved since I, I got to Melville in 91. So did you get into coaching because it was a kind of an additional thing with teaching, or is it something you've always wanted to do? Well, I've always loved sports, played a, a number of different sports, uh, played high school football, high school baseball, I curled, played hockey, did a variety of different things and always was active, saw this as an opportunity, and I guess the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, how's the game changed since you were in it over 30 years ago as a coach? Wow, I mean, leaps and bounds. Uh, used to be hand the ball off, a cloud of dust, and uh, lots of running, and now it's opened up. There's RPOs, there's a lot more passing, there's a lot more coaches that are knowledgeable and uh, it's it's just been a wonderful um, evolution of the game that's for sure how are you a different coach now than you, when you were three decades ago well as far as I mean uh, technically um, you know you get better as you go along and having some opportunities to coach you know at the at the football SAS level and the higher levels throughout uh, you know, uh, the province and even our country and playing and coaching um, teams in the world championship. And you just get better when the level of competition is higher and you uh, network with coaches that uh, have different experiences than you have. And and just all those things have really um, made me a better coach all the way around. So what's the health of the game like uh, where you are, northeastern Saskatchewan there, Melville, Yorkton area? Well, we've uh, we've run a spring program for a number of years, and we've had really good success with that. We're uh, well over 100 uh, kids playing football in a in a smaller city community and sort of our, our outlying communities as well. And um, we're we're holding our own. I mean, it's it's one of those things that um, you know a little bit of success um, sort of brings people to your programs, but at the same time, there's lots of things pulling at uh, the kids to do. And uh, so we're, we're hoping to continue to offer a great program that uh, lots of kids and uh, parents can be a part of. This is our coach of the week. Also a builder too, teacher out there in Melville. This is John Svensson. Thanks for your time, John. Appreciate it, Baldy. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the sports cage. Right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. Brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited today on this Monday, wherever you're listening. However you're listening, we appreciate it. We know you have choices and you're choosing us. 
More and more, so I'm told. That's good news for Zinger and I. We got bills to pay. 936-6262 is our text line. Make sure you bang out the numbers and let us know your thoughts on the sports of the day. We got Coach Craig Dickinson coming up after 5 for McDougal Auctioneers taking your text. We've already got some text in, but we'd like to get your text. What kind of questions do you have for the coach? Riders looking for a new D-line. Coach Ben Olson leaving the team for the FCS program Incarnate Word to be there. D-line coach. We are uh, trying to get a hold of Wavell Star, uh, former WWE wrestler. Vince McMahon is back in the WWE as uh, he is running the ship there um, with uh, worldwide wrestling entertainment sports entertainment uh, can't get a hold of Wavel but we will try to get a hold of him as soon as we can you know what's interesting about that whole WWE thing zinger is that um Vince McMahon <laughs> apparently has 81% of um voting stock like yeah. he's got he's got the most power right like if you added everybody else up uh, there wouldn't be a situation where he could get outvoted. So I'm not even sure why he stepped aside, and and now there's a big to do over this thing. Like I I I don't understand that at all. V- Vince could have done this like a month ago, but uh, yeah, he's there. He's added two people to the board and uh, kicked off two people, and one board person resigned. So some people think it's a work to see if he's going to uh, sell the company, uh, and he wants to be the guy to get the big check when they hand over the. Uh, what will probably be a five billion with a B dollar check for World Wrestling Entertainment used to be Federation way back in the day when I used to watch. I the last time I really paid attention to wrestling was probably what was it two thousand and one when it was. Um, you watched WrestleMania eighteen, The Hulk, Rock, Hulk, and that's, and, that's and right. That's a lot. Sky Dome. Yeah, I've told I've told that story. Yeah. My brother in law went there. Do you still watch? Did you ever watch wrestling? Oh, I was big into wrestling. I don't really watch it anymore. Nah, it's kind of when you get to be a certain yeah. age. Big fan though. Still, still respect the business. Oh, the business is unbelievable. Yeah. What they do. Still respect those wrestlers. Put man, their those... bodies on the line and do it for not a lot of money. Like yeah. not a lot of them are rich. Yeah. So. And they get no benefits or anything like that. So yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how that shakes down. WrestleMania 18 was some type of event though. Like holy smokes. Well, they put on great events. There's like no Triple about... H and Chris Jericho in, in the main event. I remember it was uh, Hulk. Hogan and The Rock. We had so many other great ones. Oh man, nostalgic. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite wrestler of all time? Uh, I I was a big fan of uh, uh, the stable uh, Evolution in the early two oh, thousands yeah, yeah, yeah. with uh, Ric Flair, Triple H, and Randy Orton. I I love those. And uh, Batista was in there as well yeah. for a bit. I loved Evolution. I loved their uh, intro song by Motorhead. Evolution is a mystery. Yeah, I like that one. But I've always, like, when it comes down to it, my uh, favorite wrestler of all time probably would have to be Bret Bret Hart. Bret Hart, yeah, I like he's the best there is. The best he could wrestle. Was. He could re- he could wrestle any type of match. It didn't matter if he was taking on like a a stand up striker like the Undertaker or you know like a technical guy with uh, like Kurt Angle. Although he never actually wrestled Kurt Angle, which is disappointing. <laughs> but you know he he could take any type of wrestler and just make it the best match ever. And that alone makes him the best of all time. Yeah, no, he is. Uh, 
he is the best of all time. Not a great, not great, not a great interviewer though. Like he wasn't good on the mic. No, that's the thing that held him back. No, he's the excellence of execution. Do you watch uh, the Young Rock? I just want to start watching it. The Young Rock. I it's on. Yet. It's an on, I on still NBC. haven't watched the, the Shaquille O'Neal thing either. Yeah, yet. you got to watch that man. Shaq and Kobe. I was actually planning on watching that Shaq thing yesterday, but like after the Packer game. But after the Packer game ended, I just I I, I shut down shop oh, and just. How sad were you? Did you sleep at all? No, uh, I I got limited. Limited limited Z's limited Z's last night. <laughs> I can't, I'm struggling today a bit, a little bit tired, a little bit baggy under the eyes. So uh, apologies. I t- I, did you really expect? them to go very far though to be honest with you you never know if you just get into the dance you just never know i uh, my my line of thinking was if we were to beat like if we were to just get that win against the lions yesterday we would be taking on brock purdy in the niners that was in my mind throughout the everybody's whole game yesterday. talking like this guy's unreal like steve young is say steve young is just being uh Unbelievably over the top with his praise for this guy. Yeah, I think I think everyone needs to dial it back a bit. I mean, we. <laughs> okay, so of all the teams left, got to be the, consistent. Of all the teams left in the playoffs, okay. Okay. So we've got, uh, and I'll get Luke's uh, thoughts on this a little later on. Luke Molitor joins us. Let's go AFC first. We got Buffalo, Miami. That should be a that should be a Buffalo win. Buffalo, yep. Because I don't know if Tua even plays. Like who's Miami's quarterback? Skylar Thompson or whatever yeah, his name yeah, is. Yeah, so t- didn't even look like a quarterback. Yeah, so that's not even a quarterback. That's name. not. What is that guy? He was that's wearing like, a, like number that, nine. That seems like a point guard coming off the bench. Yeah, Skylar <laughs> Thompson for three. Okay, then the other uh, two games uh, we've got Cincinnati and the Ravens. Cincinnati, unless Lamar Jackson comes back and is okay, which is highly doubtful. I don't. Think I think Cincinnati. Cincinnati's going to smash him. Who do you got in the coin flip game of all games this weekend? This is going to be the closest one, I think. The the Jags and the Chargers. Who do you got in that one? Be honest. I don't care if I'm a Chargers fan. I well, I, I, Jags I, beat them thirty eight ten in week three. I, I, to my honest opinion. I said this yesterday to one of my friends. I think that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to win like a sloppy, low scoring game. Okay. Yeah. I think the Chargers would have won, but now Mike Williams is in question to play, and they need Mike Williams if they want to win. I do want the Chargers to win, though, because I wouldn't mind seeing uh, a team that we saw play live this year go to the yeah, Super Bowl. That those are two cool. uh, good young quarterbacks, so Lawrence and Herbert. They'll be around for a long time. Doug Peterson. Trevor Lawrence looks like a Barbie doll. He does. Like, he looks like a Hanson brother. Not the one from Slapshot, the music group, Hanson. Check yeah. it out. Google that, kids. Google. People. Country music fans. I wouldn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and... Uh, Doug Peterson, even though they won nine games, he could be coach of the year to yeah. turn that team around. Got that Urban Meyer stank off the team. So, so there we go. There in the NFC, I got Tampa beating yeah. Dallas. Yeah, Tampa's going to win. I think they will. Dallas, Dallas is, can't play down. Dallas there. has been less than spectacular down the stretch, and they play on grass in this game. And if I'm the groundskeeper. I don't know what the rules are for growing a grass, but I'm growing it extra long yeah. for this game. Well, Tom Brady will figure something out anyway, for at the eight boys. nine. <laughs> where, 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 where are all the bush league uh, comments about uh, an eight nine team hosting a twelve and five team? Yeah, because you'd hear that in the CFL. Yeah. Um, all right, so we got that game. Giants Vikings. Uh, that was a close one. Vikings in the regular season barely beat them. I think the Vikings, unfortunately, yeah, I think the Vikings win. will win. It's in Minnesota. Is it a primetime game? Uh, no, it's Sunday oh, at 3.30. Vikings win. Yeah. If it was a primetime <laughs> game, Cousins would lay an egg. But no, they're going to win that one. And and we, by the way, we've got former Charger 
Former Viking and current Viking broadcaster Ben Lieber on the show tomorrow. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll be talking NFL and more specifically Vikings football with him. And then the other game has would have been your Packers at San Francisco, but yeah. it's Seattle at San Francisco. What do you got there? Yeah, I think uh, I think this is a coin flip game too. You mentioned the other coin flip game was Chargers Jags. Well. This isn't going to be a coin flip game. I think game. so, too. And this is kind of like a rare wild card weekend because there's a lot of division matchups. you got yeah. Seattle, San Francisco, the other one, like we already talked about, the Ravens, Bengals, and the Dolphins, Bills. Like, I don't think we've ever seen that many uh, division well, matchups. Well, we're adding an extra, we're adding yeah. extra games, So, right? But with that said, I think the Niners, I'm not going to bet on, I know Geno Smith is playing good ball, but I think the Niners will figure out a way to win that one. So check this out. This is hilarious. So it was supposed to be a rebuild year for the Seahawks. Oh, we're going to go through some tough times. At least everybody thought. We're going to ditch. It's ter- We're going to get rid of the face of the franchise, Russell Wilson. So the Seahawks trade Russell Wilson, start Geno Smith, and turn the so-called rebuilding season into a playoff one, and... Hold the fifth overall pick of the 2023 draft. And did you see, too, Geno Smith passed Russell Wilson for the most like passing yards in a single season in Seahawks history? He does that in his first year and, starting. And Russell him. will. Here's the irony of all of this. There's some talk now. There's some talk now. I know Sean Payton's got an interview, but there's some talk now that um, Jim Harbaugh's a good candidate to take over in Denver. If he takes over in Denver... Russell Wilson's going to be forced to hand the football off 60% of the time. Something he was pissed off about in Seattle. That's why he left. Yeah. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. It might make him better at this point in his career, to be honest with Maybe. you. Maybe. That's the worst contract in pro sports yep. right now. Okay, on the other side of the break, we're going to catch up with the great veteran writer out of Montreal, the Montreal Gazette, Herb Zerkowski, talking Montreal Alouettes football. This is the Sports Cage for Andrew Shared Limited on 620. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the Sports Cage for Andrew Shared Limited. I'm Michael Ball, along with my co-host and producer, Sean Kleisinger. The CFL is full of great people, and this would be one of them. Longtime great writer with the Montreal Gazette, Herb Zerkowski joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Happy New Year to you, Herb. I think I can still say that. We haven't talked. At least uh, we've been on text, but not uh, back and forth. So Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you, Mike. Uh, okay, so let's chat about the uh, Montreal Alouettes. First off, your thoughts on Jason Moss, the old offensive coordinator with the Riders, taking over the reins as the HC in Montreal there. Well, look, uh, I always felt that he was the odds-on favorite. Um, given his his lengthy association with Jen, Danny Machocha, and this is the first head coaching hire by Machocha since he became uh, general manager in 2020. So um, it, it made sense that he would would reach out to someone uh, familiar uh, to him. So we can't really be surprised. Um, there will certainly be, uh, you know, people, uh, even in your city, I would imagine, who, who will be rolling their eyes and, and saying, yeah, but, yeah. Um, uh, you know, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, you had to, uh, you, you really had to, you had to do something that he was comfortable with. And, and this was, 
the easiest solution. Yeah. Will it work out? Time will tell. You, you know, the head coach is only as good as, as the horses in the barn. So, yeah, you know, I'm not really surprised. And, and at least uh, of the five candidates um, who, who made the, the final ballot, so to speak, uh, Moss is the only one that has been a head coach at this level. So, you know, they, they, they got to get it right. Machocha has to get it right. And, and look, potentially both their necks are on the line if it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Herb, you mentioned something great there because I agree with it. You're only as good as the players on the field. And I think when people like you alluded to roll their eyes about Jason Moss, he didn't get stupid overnight. Like he he had O line issues here, a quarterback that wasn't playing up to par. Uh, you know, some injuries in the receiving core. So it, it's the old saying: you can't make chicken salad out of you know what. Yeah, uh, you know, certainly. Byron Archambault, the, the special teams coordinator, who, who is now also the assistant head coach, but that would have been a bold move on Machocha's part to, to hire a guy uh, who's 32 years old, um, who will be a head coach. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the next head coach of the Alouettes, uh, be it in one, two, three, five years, whatever. That would have been rolling the dice a little bit, and then it would have been putting tremendous tremendous pressure on, on Archambault, uh, you know, who's still relatively young into his coaching career. But but for anyone listening out there, I mean, keep his his name in mind because if he's not the head coach here, the next head coach here, he will be a head coach in this league, Byron Archambault. Yeah. What well, can you tell us about our new uh, running backs coach, Andre Bolduc, who comes over here from Montreal? Uh, I always got along very well with him, a guy that, look, you know, another guy who, who certainly I would not have, I don't think there would have been any great, uh, uh, you know, any consternation had they, had they named him the head coach, a guy that has certainly put in his time, uh, uh, an assistant here since 2014. Uh, he was, if you'll remember, he was the assistant head coach under Kahari Jones, mm-hmm. but you know, again, a guy that that um, uh, you know he was identified as Kahari Jones's guy, not Danny Machocha's guy. But I like him. He's been a head coach at the university level. Um, he will he will tell you exactly what he thinks. Uh, there's no there's no um, black or black or gray with the guy. I mean, you'll know exactly where you stand with him. The running backs will know where they stand with him. And and I only hope that that now in his new job that he's joined a team that will actually run the ball because I don't know how many times um, you know I've written and and yelled from the rooftops with the Alouettes that they don't run the ball enough. Um, I think you'll like them. Uh, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Awesome. Uh, uh, Herb Zerkowski from the Montreal Gazette uh, uh, joining us, one of the great writers, great uh, media members in this country. Uh, I'll tell you what, man, I can't make any sense of this. You're closer to it than me. Mario Cicchini, who seemed to have his fingerprints all over this team, the attendance is up. He he knows the heartbeat of Montreal. He's not back. What's going on there? Well, all I can tell you is is despite the... Gary Stern tweeting at the time that the decision was mutual. Um, as I tweeted and wrote, it was not mutual. 
Uh, I don't know who pulled the, the, the button on this one because Stern is only a 25% uh, owner. Uh, did he get into the, 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 the minds of the two lawyers, you know, running the team for the Sid Spiegel's estate? Mm-hmm. That that maybe you know was there? Uh, I'm sure there were problems between Stern and Mario Cicchini. Uh Did that influence the decision? I I really don't know. You know, like you're saying, it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a guy who was really really passionate, who was deeply involved, who 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 walked the stands uh, before every game, greeting fans. Uh, he was at almost every practice uh, for the same reason, always engaging anyone who would come out to practice. Um, he has worked hard at, at um, rebuilding the brand, uh, increasing attendance, increasing sponsorship. But you also have a guy in Gary Stern who, I and mean, I told him in 2020, you're not going to make any money on, on a CFL team. Not unless you're in Saskatchewan, at least, or Winnipeg. Um, so, so maybe you know, after two or three years, it just wasn't uh, trending upwards enough, quickly enough for Stern. But you know, again, it, to me, it makes no sense. They have uh, he was just in uh, Stern. That is after you know, I basically made the announcement on <laughs> on Twitter in the Montreal Gazette. I mean, he's just been pounded pounded relentlessly on social media at least he was at that time and and i mean they're going to feel the effects of this don't don't kid yourself uh they will lose sponsorship they will probably lose uh season ticket uh holders as well and and you know again it, it seems like it's always one step forward and two steps back oh, with this organization. I'm glad you said that because that's what I was going to say. So do you think this organization will be sold or do you think it'll be status quo with the estate still running it and Stern is still on the mix? Because you in your article, which you wrote Saturday in the Montreal Gazette, uh, basically said that uh, Cicchini hinted he might be coming back. So that would mean, wouldn't that say there'd be a different ownership group? That would certainly be what it would indicate. Um, you know, again, the, the, they have not, uh, the lawyers who are running the team uh, for the estate have refused to be identified. Um, look, for, realistically, uh, I mean, I, I don't see any reason why, why Sid Spiegel's children, who are not in Montreal, uh, would want any part of this. Um, their father unfortunately passed away without ever seeing the team play. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, from uh, certainly, if, if I was, if Sid Spiegel had been my father, and 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 I inherited this, uh, whether I, you know, knowing what I do or not knowing what I do, I, I would be saying to my to my siblings, like, why are we holding on to this team when we don't live in Montreal? Uh, we rarely, if ever, get there to watch the team play. It makes no sense. So, you know, but again, as far as I can tell, the bills are still being paid. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I would be, uh, this is not a long-term solution. I, I don't see them being uh, the owners for much longer. Yeah. Will, will it continue through 2023? 
It's possible. It's hard to say because nobody's talking. A lot of unsigned players here, two that lead the lead the the ledger, so to speak. Trevor Harris, the quarterback, and his running mate Geno Lewis. One back, two back, none of them back. What do you think? Well, I would say that I think that that um, the hiring of Jason Moss would seem to indicate that Trevor Harris will return, and and will be paid as a starting quarterback, as he be. Uh, you, um, you know, again, as I've written before, this is a guy, I mean, he's been a potential free agent before, but been re-signed by the system. Uh, the fact that he has not been re-signed, uh, and here we are on January 9th, uh, would, uh, you would think, you would think, I'm not a gambling man, but you would think that he's going to go to free agency, especially since he's, he wants to be paid $300,000. I think that's what I'm being told will probably be the starting point. Wow. Um, and I'm not, look, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Eugene Lewis is not worth $300,000 for everything that he has done. But if I'm sitting in the general manager's chair, do I want to put out $300,000 for a guy who's almost 30 years old, who who uh, is not going to be touching the ball on every play, when I know that I can probably get two receivers uh, at the same price. So, you know, I'm glad I'm not in that chair because that's a very, very tough decision to make. But again, I'm not disputing the fact that Eugene Lewis is worth that kind of money. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If I was representing Eugene Lewis, I would say, "Aim high," because <laughs> you've earned this right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, you you only have so long to to play the game, to make a living, get every nickel you can out of this organization. Because once you or any other player is no longer deemed to be worthwhile to them, to any team, to any organization, they will throw you to the curb in an instant. Absolutely. Good way to end it. Thanks for your time, Herb. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Mike. That's Herb Zerkowski from the Montreal Gazette. You can check him out at Herb Zerkowski one on Twitter. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage after the 4 o'clock news on 620. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Welcome back to the show, brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited, supplying plumbing, HVAC, and irrigation supplies across Western Canada since 1892. Learn more at Sherrod.com. Coming up, Luke Molitor will join us, get his thoughts on Ben Olsen quitting his defensive line coach for the Rough Riders, and his thoughts on the NFL matchups for the playoffs coming up here. Um, at least we'll uh, look at half of those. We'll have them on later in the week to look at the second half. Uh, Western Pizza is the hotline sponsor. Dine in, take out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast. From Western Pizza. And our text line, 936-6262. That's the number to call or text locally. And you can also call us, 1-866-767-0620. Uh, text that number, though, 936-6262. Let us know where you're listening from. We'll give you a shout-out. You got some texts there, Zinger? Yeah, a listener from Saskatoon's on the text line. Uh, oh, boy. One for Zinger. 
I didn't think things could get uh, stupider than Duke Williams taking a penalty in street clothes this year that cost the Riders a W versus Winnipeg. But your Packers linebacker, Quay Walker, did something just about as stupid yesterday that cost his team pushing a member of the opposing team's training staff. Stupid. And he did it twice this year. Less zinger. Less than a week after the Buffalo Bills and Cincinnati Bengals training staff were on the field to save DeMar Hamlin's life. And this this guy pushes a trainer. Clown. It's the second time this year, like the texter mentioned. He's a good football player. Would you cut him or at the very least no, suspend him at the start of the year? No, you can't cut him. I'd suspend him. How about piggybacking off of this? Did you see what, what on God's green earth was Rasul Douglas doing? Do you remember that? How he just went up to the ball? What was he? Uh, on, uh, he like he was gonna move the ball, what was and then he, doing? he turned around and he punched the guy. What was he right doing before half? And then he moved him up 15 yards and made the field goal that much easier. I don't get it. Like what's going through these guys' brains, man? That's coaching, man. You gotta have a, you gotta have it buttoned up. We saw it a little bit with the Rough Riders this year. And then I don't know who the guy was. You would know because you're a Packers guy with the flying forearm. Right before that whole trainer thing went down, and Nick Barry, yeah, think. he tried to tick, he tried to take uh, yeah. uh, uh, Swift's head off. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to reason what Rasul Douglas was doing on that. Like, do you, can you think of any reason? No. He, he like he was moving the ball before the snap. And then everyone thought that's what the penalty was for, but no, it was actually because he turned around and punched the guy in the face. Stupid. Stupid. God. Got anything else there in the text line? Yeah, uh, Jerome says the Dallas Cowboys are going to go to the Super Bowl and play the... uh, uh, I think he meant to say Chiefs in the The Super Bowl. The Chiefs in the Super Bowl, okay. Well, I don't know about that. I don't want to see either of those teams in the Super Bowl. God, that would be a bad Super Bowl, huh? Well, it'd be a good one for the ratings, but did you see what the Chiefs said? How did you feel about them going uh, ring ring around the rosy in the huddle there before they pulled it? It was like a corny motion Uh, picture. Anyway, 936 (laughs) That's embarrassing for the Raiders, though, huh? It's embarrassing. Oh, my God. It got called back because of a penalty, thank God. Uh, 936-6262, our text line, or you can call that number locally if you want to talk sports. Now, if you're doing a dry January this year, you might want to hit your first big test Coming up here, uh, maybe this weekend. Keep you motivated to stay the course. Here are five good things that happen to your body when you give up alcohol for a month. Now, Zinger and I, I drink slightly more than Zinger. Zinger never drinks, okay? But anyway, you might decrease your risk of cardiovascular disease. When you drink to excess, the way alcohol uh, produces free radicals and increases your bad cholesterol can lead to clogged arteries. It might help reduce your risk of cancer. According to a government report, there are links between alcohol consumption and the development of several types of cancer, including liver, breast, and uh, colon cancer. So there you go. You might lose weight if you cut down on booze. Obviously, uh, it's uh, things like a sugar, you know. That type of thing, empty calories, as it were. You'll sleep better. Studies have found that when normal drinkers stopped drinking for a month, they slept better and found it easier to concentrate. And you could feel happier. Uh, happier, pardon me. Alcohol is a depressant, so it can cause people to feel negative and have a mental, yeah, negative if, mental side effects. Especially if you're taking like medication to yeah. go along with that. Yeah, yeah. Oh watch. man, you All gotta right, watch it. Check this out. 42% of people say they still sleep with stuffed animals. Oh. <laughs> uh, yes, you, I, I do, okay. Okay. Yeah. You stuffed Brett Favre doll? <laughs> Who's your favorite Packer quarterback, Favre or Rodgers? 
That's I I don't want to answer that right. You now. have to. I, I I've always said it was Brett Favre. Like yeah. I've always said it because yeah. he's the one who made me fall in love with the team. Yeah. So it's it's tough. You know, yeah. it's tough to say anything. Yeah, and else. he he's had and he's had kind of a rocky go of it here yeah, with the whole uh, welfare stuff with Mississippi. The with and then question. Aaron Rodgers has kind of become selfish a little bit. Will he retire? Won't he retire? I don't know. Um, but at the same time, like I've only seen Brett Favre play once live in person, and that was when he was with the Minnesota Vikings. Mm. I've seen Aaron Rodgers play 17 times. Mm. So I have this close this bond with okay. Rodgers. I don't with Favre. Yeah, it's, okay. not, it's not really a close bond, but <laughs> like I've watched him in person. You're a bit so. of a weirdo. Yeah. Anyway, so you, you sleep with stuffed animals. That's good. Here are some other surprising things that came from our own Sports Cage shocking sleep survey. 87% of People fantasize about murdering their partners when they snore. If 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 if, if, if Lydia snore snoring, do you wake her up or do you go to another room? Uh, I've always found if your partner is snoring, why wake them up? You should just move because they're already sleeping. Well, I'm actually I already sleep on the couch to begin yeah. with. So inside insider on Zinger's life, I I, I can't I, I can't sleep with people. I have to be on my own. Okay, okay. <laughs> he's like, oh, that's enough. That's weird. Sixty-two <laughs> percent of people use sleep aids like melatonin, Ambien, and the Sports Cage podcast to fall asleep. Thirty-nine <laughs> percent of people grind their teeth in their sleep, or in the case of Winnipeggers, where their teeth used to be. Uh-huh. Uh, another surprising a Sports Cage shocking sleep survey result: ninety. 90- 3% of married women who wake up aroused weren't dreaming about their husbands. Wow. Uh, wow. 100% of current U.S. presidents fall asleep during their own speeches. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That Joe Biden is a Saturday Night Live skit, isn't he? And uh, <laughs> did you hear about this? There's another COVID variant. I know, we're sick of it. This one is the XBB 1.5. It's been a while, but whenever we start talking COVID, I know we're sick of it, but it allows us to play something we haven't played in a while, Quarantune. I coughed, I sneezed, I could not breathe. What could this be? I thought this COVID virus thing was through. Those folks in China thought that it was too. I'm fully vaccinated, doing everything right. So why am I infected with XBB 1.5? Quarantining one more time. XBB 1.5. I'm sick of all this job. Headquarters. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. We're underway as New England decided to defer after winning the toss. And here's Hines on the run back, breaking a tackle and taking it past midfield. And down the sideline he goes. This is storybook. An opening kickoff return for Tamar Hamlin. And this place is absolutely going wild. As through the week, the positivity. The game's going to be played. How will it go? And Hines breaks it. 96 yards for a touchdown. And here comes Hines again. Oh, my goodness. Can he do it twice? Is this for real? Can you believe it? Even a little Dion strut to the end zone. 101 yards. 
Naeem Hines takes not one but two kickoff returns to the house in yesterday's 35-23 to win versus New England. Crazy how that happened. Literally the Bills' first play back after the DeMar Hamlin incident and Hines takes it to the house. Naeem Hines, your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator Gleaner, and Fan Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. All right, welcome back to the show. Brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited. Time to hop out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Speak with the color commentator on the Rough Riders Radio Network. Friend of ours, Luke Molliner. Uh, Luke, lots to uh, unpack here from the weekend in sports. First off, let's talk about the Riders. Ben Olsen leaves to go to Incarnate Word of the FCS, so the Riders have a D-line hole to fill. And I, I don't think they've named an offensive line coach either, so they've got that to fill too. Yeah, literally the uh, the trenches where the most work needed to be done in terms of the improvement on this football club for 2023, and they're without position coaches on both ends. Uh, I'll tell you what, man, Ben Olsen is an absolutely huge loss for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I thought he did a fantastic job um, getting those guys ready, game in, game out. Again, he was one of the guys, man, I, I really appreciate him. I, I, I had a chance to talk with him mm-hmm. a couple times while we were on the road, and, you know, that guy was always coaching. I mean, even pregame, that guy was running his guys through drills, which normally doesn't happen in the pros, right, unless they ask for it. But uh, awesome young coach, not surprised he would leave to, to an opportunity like that. Um, you look at his background, and he's already got American um, NCAA background there. That's that's where all those guys want to coach anyways. There's more, you know, even though, though it's the incarnate word, there, there's a little bit more uh, sustainability for them there, uh, so, so, some some more foundational things that they can, they can actually live their life with. Uh, as we know, the CFL coaches' benefits are just a, a zero to none, so there's no support from the Canadian Football League, and I wasn't surprised when he left because he is a good one. Absolutely. Okay, so last night, uh, let's have a moment of silence for Zingers, Packers. Fly! They're trash. Get them out of here. <laughs> Keep right. them out. Okay, so they're... Moment of silence. Get them out of here. Okay, so they're gone. Is that Aaron Rodgers' last game as a Packer? Yep. You think so? I would think so. I would think so. I mean, like... What did what did they really do over over the course of the year? You know, everybody talks about the fact that they almost made the playoffs. The NFL isn't in an almost business, and they've got a guy who they invested first round money in in Jordan Love that that's never played for them. Like he's played in spots. They got to eventually find out who this guy is. Um, you know, you you got him, you got Cobb, I, you know, Bakhtiari. That, that's that's an aging um, that's an aging group back there, man. It might be time to rebuild the Packers. Yeah, but. Aaron Rodgers holds all the cards. He gets $60 million guaranteed whether he uh, gets cut or traded. Like, So no team's going to trade for him. That's too big a yeah. price tag. And they're not going to cut him because well, they're going to have to eat all that money. So he either retires or he decides to come back for one more year. Well, well here's the thing. We just saw, we just saw the, the Arizona Cardinals fire Cliff Kingsbury after re-signing him through 2027. Like... Trust me, 60 mil against that, I don't think anybody's worried about it if you truly want to rebuild. The NFL's throwing money around like Mm -hmm. crazy these days. Yeah, for sure. All right, so um, let's talk about some of the NFC playoff matchups. We'll leave your Cowboys to the last. Let's go Minnesota and the Giants. They had a close close, uh, uh, regular season game in Minnesota that the Vikings eked out. Now, I will point this out, Luke, the game is not in prime time, so Kirk Cousins should be better. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what. I think that I, I think that you know. I look at the Minnesota Vikings. Unfortunately, like I look at my Cowboys. Right? You don't know. You never know who's going to show up. And I think that right now, Minnesota's just got to hope that uh, that that the offensive juggernaut that they can be will show up, and they play some decent defense. That's where they're they struggle. They they're, they're terrible defensively, right? And um, you know, the New York Giants, I, I think, is a good little warm up for them, right? They 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 don't, the Giants are you know they're they're just sort of limping in there and. I mean, Daniel Jones, if, if, you, if you create a good sort of defensive game plan around just nullifying him, um, you basically take their attack away, right? I know everybody's focused on Saquon Barkley, but Daniel Jones has had a really good year this year for the Giants, and I think that that's, that's who you, you scheme to stop. Um, and, uh, yeah, again, we all know that I think that all of Minnesota is just hoping that the Vikings offensive prowess can find itself again. It's been struggling as of late. Well, I will tell you, I had earlier in the show said Doug Peterson with a nine-win Jacksonville team could be the coach of the year. But on second thought, it's got to be Brian Dable to get the Giants to the playoffs and to make Daniel Jones a playoff quarterback. He is the uh, coach of the year, in my opinion. I think I think that I think that those two are. You're absolutely right, and I think that uh, the other guy there that's probably got the nod over Dable and maybe uh, the Jacksonville guy Peterson is. Um, is Mike Tomlin? He just oh, yeah. he just had a he just had a winning record with Mitch Trubisky and a rookie quarterback, and they got better every single game. Um, I, I thought I thought that was well, that was probably the best coaching job this year by anybody. Yeah, that's a good point. I think he is the best coach in the NFL, including Bill Belichick. All right, another NFC playoff game has the uh, Seattle Seahawks now in place of the Green Bay Packers going up against Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers. I actually think Geno can pull this one off. Yeah, and and in order to pull it off, they're going to have to have the game of their life up front, right? Because that's a, that's a play action pass offense versus the best defense in the NFL. Um, uh, as much as I hate the San Francisco 49ers, you got to respect everything they did. That system there that uh, Shanahan's got going is lock and loaded. Like which team? Ever like me and you are you're a Chargers fan and I'm a Cowboys fan. Let's just assume that we had to have our third string quarterbacks playing for for the last six game of the year. Baldy, how do you think me and you would be faring? Not in the playoffs. Not in the playoffs. Yeah, not in the playoffs. Exactly right. Right. San Francisco 49ers ran off six a six game win streak with their third string QB. That system is locked and loaded. That defense is locked and loaded. Um, and yeah, it's going to have to take a, a Herculean effort from the Seattle Seahawks. But hey, listen, they got the tools too, man. Not just Geno. I, I, you know, obviously uh, Tyler Lockett and and uh, DK Metcalf are ballers. But uh, shout out to the Spartan uh, young Kenneth Walker, man. He's done an amazing job since uh, becoming their starting running back as a rookie. Yeah, K nine. John Ryan said I played there eleven years. Nobody called me J nine. They're calling him K nine. Which <laughs> we is we should call him that from now on. We- I am. I am calling him that. Actually, John. <laughs> was in Green Bay last night for Mason Crosby's last game. Said I was there for his first. I'm going to be there for awesome. maybe his last. So that was awesome. Nice to have that, that kind awesome. of nice to have that kind of money when you can fly around and just uh, take in games and stand on the sidelines. And yeah. lastly, your Dallas Cowboys taking on Tampa eight nine Tampa. Uh, Luke, first off, before we get to your prediction. Isn't it Bush League that the NFL has a sub-500 team hosting a team with a better record? Because that's what they'd say about the CFL. Nah, it's completely Bush League. I, I, I hate it. Um, you're absolutely right. Uh, a team that there has to, there should be a requirement. Like you have to have, you should check, you should have to check a couple boxes 
in order for the playoff format to kick in. Right, like so, there have to be there should be qualifications for you to actually play the playoffs the way that they're originally supposed. Because Dallas should be hosting this game. Either like I'm, I'm even better. I'm even cool with a neutral situation, but it doesn't matter. I think that the Cowboys. Um, I, I, I mean, they're, let's be honest. The Cowboys are probably one of the most dangerous teams in the whole playoffs. Right, the Cowboys that we all have seen occasionally. The Cowboys over the last two weeks, they're not the most dangerous team in the playoffs. No, that team would lose to the Packers. So I think that we've got to figure out a way to, to harness the, the good energy, the energy that ran up like 50 points against the Vikings, the energy that dummied the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles. Like we need to figure out this sort of the consistency behind um, which team shows up here because it could be really good or really bad. But against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'm thinking that defense plays well enough and I think the offense gets it done. Um, Dak just needs to take care of the football, man. He's a great quarterback, but he's got to take care of the football. 30 seconds or less. So you're telling me Dallas wins. Is this the last game for Tom Brady in Tampa? And then does he end up in Vegas with McDaniels? Boy, oh boy, do I hope it's the last game for Tom. I'm getting sick of this, this whole Tom Brady thing. I'll tell you what, man. I'm, I, yeah, like, like, come on, man. There's got to be something else we can talk about. I do think it may be the last game in Tampa. And, um, yeah, man, McDaniels to the I, – I think that if the, if McDaniels wants to keep his job passed next year, he goes and finds a different quarterback other than a 40-plus-year-old. Because that offensive line, man, like he need, Tom Brady needs an offensive line in front of him. Yeah, that's been his problem in Tampa. All right, well, enjoy uh, enjoy your day, and we'll talk AFC later in the week, okay? Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm pumped up for your Chargers versus the Jaguars, I'll tell you that much. Talk yeah. to you later. Take, take care, man. That's Luke Mulder joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. When we come back, we got well, we got the news coming up here. Then we're going to have a CFL report with our buddy Zinger, and uh, we'll get to more sports talk. Glenn Suter on board and many, many others. This is the Sports Cage on 620 Specialists. Back with the sports ticker. It's 431 inside the sports cage, and this is coming in a few minutes ago. Mike McDaniel, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, says Tua Tungavailoa has not been cleared for any football activity yet, so the Dolphins are hoping to get more clarity on Wednesday. But as of right now, it's not looking like Tua will be playing in the wildcard game on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. That's a noon kickoff. On Sunday, other NFL news, the Titans have fired four assistant coaches, including their offensive coordinator, Todd. Curly Gittins Jr. of the Toronto Argonauts. The last time you were here in Regina was a, was, a, was a nice evening for you guys knocking off the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Are you still pinching yourself that you're a great cup champion? Um, I feel like it's been what? Maybe a month and a half. I feel like it's it's, it's all soaked in already. So now, like you know, I actually uh, know what we did and what actually uh, happened. Uh, you know, it's a good feeling now. Uh, you know, I'm proud of the guys in the locker room for what uh, you know for what we set our goal to, and you know, and going to it and achieving it. So it's pretty pretty uh, cool moment that I can uh, look back at. What was the turning point of that year for you guys? I thought it was the Atlantic Canada game, the the Atlantic Bowl in Atlantic Canada when you guys uh, uh, beat the Saskatchewan Rough Riders that interception by Winton McManus really turned the tide and I thought your season went one way and unfortunately here in Saskatchewan the Riders season went another way but what did you see as the <laughs> turning point to your season? I can't really pinpoint a turning uh, point of our season but what I can say is um, I feel like with the uh, players and the leaders we have in the locker room, 
each and every week, you know, we challenge each other. We challenge each, uh, each other to get better. And that's exactly what we did. You know, we were never complacent. We were never satisfied with our, perform- with our uh, performance the week before. And I feel like uh, having that mentality and having those leaders in the locker room, like uh, our quarterback, uh, uh, Max Bethel-Thompson, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was a great leader for us. You know, Enoch Mwamba. And just having that mindset of not being satisfied and, you know, always, always challenging each other, even after a win, I feel like that goes a long way. And that was uh, a main focus for us. Hey, going back to that Grey Cup game, I mean, it, it's wild that you guys won. You had more penalties. Uh, you know, there, there are lots of things that went against you guys, but you found a way to win that Grey Cup. Could you watch that last kick that was blocked eventually by Robbie Smith? Or, or did you have to turn away when the Bombers lined up for that long field goal? I was on my knees, I think, and uh, I honestly watched the play. And, you know, if we, if we, were, if we weren't supposed to win the game, then, you know, and he wouldn't have blocked it. But I think we were meant to win the game. So, you know what? I, you know, believe, you know, I had faith that we're going to win the game. So I, you know, kept my eyes open. You know, I was looking to see what the results were going to be. And, you know, the results were in our favor. You are a free agent in the CFL. What are you looking for? What's the primary thing when a guy's a free agent? What What's important to you, Curly Gittins? Um, I can't really, you know, speak on the primary thing uh, you look for in a free agency because this, is, this, is, this will be my first free agent. And honestly, what I'm looking for is, uh, you know, a great team, you know, great uh, teammates in the locker room, you know, like a good uh, head coach and, uh, you know, just a team that's, uh, you know, willing to win and, you know, we have great leaders in the locker room and I'm a winner, so I want to be a winner. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter, who runs it out of time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. And it's brought to you by Quality Tire with nine locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. Just ahead of Glenn, we're going to get to a text in a second. Zinger, i got to bring this up because we haven't brought it up yet. I know John Paddock says he's not trading Connor Bedard, and Bedard has to approve that he has a no-trade clause. Kid's 17, so I think there's some rules with him being so young and in high school with regards to trading, too. Not saying it hasn't been done before, because obviously it has with other guys. But the the Kamloops Blazers acquired Olin Zellweger and Ryan uh, Hofer. In exchange, the Silver Tips get Drew Englott defenseman Caden Hamel, Ryland Pierce, prospect Jack Baker, and nine selections in the draft, plus a conditional draft pick. And the Ice acquired... Zach Ostapchuk from the Giants. The Giants get a couple of players. They get four players, first-round picks in 2024, 25, 26, and a fifth-rounder in the 2024 WHL draft. Like the I love Connor Bedard. I'm going to enjoy watching him play for the next four months, but we don't have a WHL championship team here. Would you not go to Connor and say, Connor... I know you're loyal, you like it here, but could you do us a solid? Because it doesn't matter to Connor. Connor's never going to waive his no trade Mm. because he's a young guy. He likes his friends. It doesn't matter if he gets a Memorial Cup or not. He's won two World Junior Hockey Golds in the last five months. Do you know what I mean? If I'm the GM, I'm doing that because uh, 
you mentioned like nine draft picks the Silver Tips got and four first round picks for those two players that they that they shipped away. So imagine what like the Pats would get for Bedard if those two guys were worth four first round. Now I don't picks. know who'd be in the market now to trade. Now the Kamloops uh, traded everything away and and, and Kamloops remember that was like the that was the quote unquote rumor team to yeah. you know make a deal for Bedard, but now they're just <laughs> interesting. But I guess if the kid would you? I mean, would you? Would if you're the GM? Yes, Mister yeah. Mister Ball. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I would. I'd go to Connor. Say, listen, love you, man. You're a great kid. We would love to have your name called at the podium from the Regina Pats, but we also want to have fans and have a team for the next ten years. Because you could, it's a big missed say, opportunity. Yeah, it is a huge missed opportunity. But hey, if the kid doesn't want to get traded, fine, and we get to watch him. All right, quick text there at nine three six sixty two sixty two. Yeah, Vivian says we're listening in Regina on Ring Road, waiting for the longest train oh. ever. Ooh. So uh, keep that in mind if you're traveling on the. Ring road. This put, text put, was in at like, put, yeah. We would put that train there so you'd have to listen to us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sports were supposed train. to say it though. Sports you were supposed to let the train. Kind of the bag. Yeah, there you go, there you go. So anyway, keep texting us nine three six sixty two sixty two. Suits, how are you, my friend? Sorry for making you wait so long there. No problem. I'm not sure what I do with Connor Bedard either. I, I'm not sure what I'd do there. I mean, I, where where are the Pats in the standings? Are are they a, a team that can contend? And we're yeah, we're bouncing around like seventh, eighth. They're seed. in the they're in the playoffs, but they're going to get absolutely uh, taken get to the woodshed by Winnipeg or Red Deer. There's we don't have a team that's going to contend. Yeah, because that that would probably factor in too to have a, a, a chance to take a run at a. At a title and 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 have the best player in We're junior hockey right now. available here's the, to you. Here's the other thing I don't like about hockey. Okay, I don't like this about hockey. I don't like how we just deal these kids as commodity pieces. 17, 18, 19. These are still boys. People's brains don't fully develop till they're 24, 23, 24 years old. That's science. That's that's not uh, uh that's not me just throwing stuff against the wall. So you, we're trading kids and moving them in and out uh as chess pieces and that and and, and it's called the business. I don't like that. I, I like and football's really the only sport where you have to go to school for at least you know, you got to go to school or do something for at least three years before you you go into the draft. Yeah, yeah, you're you, for for the most part, football players are older when they become pros. Uh, you know, and that, you know, there's a downside whether it's the NBA or the National Hockey League when you get a real young guy and you throw a ton of money at him. That's why some kids get go down the wrong path, but. Uh, you know, I'll tell you this: Connor Bedard was sure worth the worth the the, the cable fees to watch him in the World Juniors. <laughs> no, absolutely, man. Hey, uh, we got uh, Gino Lewis on the show tomorrow. He's going to join us as part of our mandate to promote all the CFL stars, not just the Rough Riders. That's why we're the number one listened to sports show as it relates to football in Canada with with guys like that and guys like Glenn Suter. Gino Lewis, I had Herb Zerkowski on earlier from the Montreal Gazette. You know Herb well. He said Gino's probably looking at about a $300,000 contract. Glenn Suter, you're the general manager of a CFL team. 29-year-old Gino Lewis. Is he worth $300,000 over a couple-year deal? Well, he's he's worth it, but I wouldn't do it. And and so cuz there's a difference here. The the first of all, uh yeah, I mean I I'd love to say that when a guy has the type of year that Gino Lewis has had or even the career at to this point. I mean, he's built every single year and it continued to 
to grow and become better every single year and then just had this fantastic season last year. So um, he has certainly earned it. And I heard your your interview with, with Herb, and I, I, I couldn't agree more that, you know, if you're his agent, you're you're doing the best you can for him. Um, you know, much like Kenny Lawler last last year at this time, it was a very similar situation. But you know, I I, I still think you have to look at the bigger picture, and I'm not sure that bringing a three hundred thousand dollar receiver, you know, is going to make the impact on your team that you you know you need it to make if you're going to spend that kind of money within within the cap that we're currently dealing with so i just i think when you get to that number with any any position outside a quarterback in our league uh you know you better throw him the ball eight ten times a game at least so i i you know it was it was thought that cody didn't really mesh with jason moss but i did some digging and that's not really what i heard i heard they got along pretty well and even a jason in his um press conference in montreal said you know uh love trevor harris but i'd be you know if, if it doesn't work out with trevor we'd be stupid not to not to look at cody if you're a general manager danny machocha who we'll have on the show later in the week um you know, maybe you look at a Cody Fajardo at a discount deal. He won't be making the money he made in Saskatchewan at a discount deal. Then you can keep Geno Lewis at a contract maybe he wants. So there's a weapon and and move on from 37-year-old Trevor Harris. What would you do sitting in there? Which puts Trevor Harris on the free agent market, and that would be interesting as far as the riders are concerned. But... Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I think I might be the only guy in the country, as far as I can hear, that think that thinks differently about Cody Fajardo. I, you know, I, I'm taking his 2019 season mm-hmm. as part of my as part of my evaluation with Cody Fajardo, and I think he can get you to a title. I really believe he can when he's healthy and he's running the right style of offense that suits him, 100% suits him without the nagging knee problem and knee braces and things like that that really restrict his, his mobility, um, you know, I, I think he can be a championship quarterback. So I, I, I might be all by myself on this island, but I, I would be talking to Cody for sure in the free agent. I don't care who I have even as my starter right now. If Cody was available, I'd be, I'd be interested in talking to him. I love his compete level Yeah, alone. I see him in Montreal. Even if Trevor Harris gets re-signed there, I see him in Montreal on a cheap deal or in BC backing up VA in a platoon there if Nathan Rourke doesn't come back. By the way, Rourke worked out for the Kansas City Chiefs, the most recent team. That's kind of where I see Cody landing those two spots. Yeah, and, and let's just hope that if it is BC, they don't run that uh, that twirl huddle and, and stuff like that. <laughs> that was... What a... Yeah, come on! I, that, you're that, you're that, a purist. That, that you're, a, you're a purist, so that's a good point. What you obviously didn't like that. That was a clown show. It was disrespectful to the opponent, disrespectful to the game, and just yeah, you know, that's 
that that's clowning. Forget it. Yeah, I I don't I don't disagree either. I actually that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm all for I'm not old man yelling at clouds because that's automatically what we'll get, Glenn. Old couple of couple of those old guys up in the Muppet balcony saying it was a great show. It was awesome. I liked it. Well, I kind of liked it. Well, I hated it. I don't want to be I don't want to be that guy. But but I will tell you that was I was actually surprised Andy Reid let them do that. To be honest with you, I took Andy Reid. I didn't take Andy Reid for that kind of guy. Me, me too. I just it's it. It was it was there was no advantage to be gained. It was stupid and it looked bad. It looked terrible. It was disrespectful. Yeah. And 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 believe me, I don't I don't mind that I'm at an age where occasionally I yell at the TV when the news is on. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Glenn Suter joining us here, first half of his press coverage. Um, just before we take a break, we had Luches Purefoy on the show uh, on Friday. He kind of hinted that he'd love to reunite with Chris Jones, who wouldn't want to play for Chris Jones, he said. By the way, Luches, not a guy who likes to talk a lot. <laughs> Seems like he's kind of a little cantankerous. Maybe he was kind of pissed off BC got rid of him. But he said... We got, you know, they told me they want to go younger and cheaper. I'd love to play for Jonesy. He's back with Chris Jones. Where I'm going with this, though, I'm always for the player. Get as much money as you can because when they're done with you, they're done with you. It's kind of- yeah, no, there's no question. I, I always same way. And when I, you know, even when we talk about Eugene Lewis, uh, you know, I, I, I don't mean for a thousand dollars i you know i i'm just talking about the cap and the on thursday you and i both we knew that luches purefoy wouldn't be unemployed long mm-hmm. i mean he's 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 such a versatile you know just get it done player he's he's that lunch bucket type of versatile player you can plug him in so many different positions he can play on all the teams including return the football and I knew he wouldn't be unemployed for long. Um, he decided, I guess, not to go to free agency. And, you know, when we do our coaches' rankings, and I know I have Chris Jones in my third group, but, um, you know, this is a very sort of fluid, ever-changing ranking for me. Yeah. Well, we're going to get to that on the other side of the break because it has uh, generated some talk, which is what... We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Page on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Hey, uh, Suits, just to finish up that talk on, uh, we were both laughing off the air here, Zinger and I, when you called it a clown show at the Kansas City Chiefs doing the merry-go-round before the snap. Isn't that the visual equivalent of bulletin board material? Like, isn't every other team looking at that in the playoffs saying, they don't take anybody seriously? Completely. I, you know, and I, I, I know there's there's many people. You know, you're a pro athlete. You should bring it every time you get. You know, you get paid, especially in the NFL. You get paid a lot of money to go out and play football, and you should bring everything you got every play. Yeah, that's for sure. That's true, and that's what every player tries to do. But then you go ahead and make it personal. So you you think about the 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 defense facing that clown show, and you go. Oh, okay. This is how you feel about us. Like, okay. Like I, you know, this disrespect a professional athlete and watch him come out of the gate the next time you play him. Mm, Interesting. Okay. The guys who are on the sidelines are in charge of, you know, a team takes on its coach's mannerisms, its coach's behavior, its coach's attitude, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We've talked about this for a week. Let's get to it. Glenn Suter, your 
coaching tiers. Let's go tier three. Who's in tier three for Glenn Suter's coaches? And I'll put a disclaimer on here. People listen with half an ear. We respect all coaches in this league. It's not a commentary on lack of respect. Yes, uh, I'm glad you said that. And, and you know, I've, I, this is so subjective, too, in a lot of ways when you rank players or you rank coaches, you rank teams, whatever. Uh, you know, I think it's really subjective. But uh, I, I sort of brought culture to creating the right culture, uh, facilitating the right culture for your players as, as a real important aspect. Now, having said that, this Tier 3 for me has Bob Dice in it. Bob Dice is, is there because he's new to the job as a head coach. I think he is well-respected. I think he will be. He'll get off to a great start because of that respect. And we'll see how he you know, manages in-game, how he handles adversity, how he manages quarterbacks. You know, okay, so he's one. Um, Chris Jones, surprisingly, I'm sure for a lot of people, is in my tier three. Again, a very fluid, ever-changing ranking system here that could move him up really quickly. But based on a couple of things, um, Chris Jones kind of got bumped down. I think he's so well-respected, and players love playing for him. We mentioned Luchez Purifoy. There's so many players that love to play for Chris Jones. And he's, he's much like a Don Matthews who he learned from. Um, so I, I, he, he could easily jump up into the first tier really quickly. But what he did and how he handled it last year, it just bumped him down a little bit for me. He, he, I, I guess that the evaluation process throughout an entire season was important for him, and he made it a priority. But – he just basically decided, it, you know, from the outside looking in, it looks like he decided, I'm not going to worry about chemistry or working together or building the culture and, and having, you know, a, a team that cares about each other and goes and battles together. I, I'm going to worry less about that and more about finding the right skill level. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I, 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 it felt like that's what he did. And then Jason Moss is the other guy because I want to, I'm not disrespectful to Jason. But I want to see what he's learned from his first experience as a head coach and how, how much different he'll be in Montreal. All right. And he's in a bit of a less of a pressure cooker. I'm not, you know, Edmonton, more of a pressure cooker. Uh, uh, Saskatchewan, obviously, he's the offensive coordinator. So I'm interested to see. And like you said, it's a fluid situation uh, because we don't even know some of these teams' personnel. Uh, all right. Tier number two, who do you got? Tier number two, I have Rick Campbell, Ryan Dinwiddie, and Craig Dickinson, the head coach for Saskatchewan, of course. And again, you know, you're when you're in tier two, you're you're just a, a few decisions along the way from, in my mind, moving into tier one. And you know, one of the when I talk about culture being a real important aspect of my ranking system, the other side of it that was real important was um, quarterback management, in game judgments and and management um professional mes- uh, messaging to your co- to your players and to the media to the fans basically um and Craig ticks a, lo- a lot of boxes there um embracing the Canadian ratio is is huge to me for a lot of coaches sometimes coaches will fall off into a different tier for me because they're not embracing the ratio the way they should be the ratio is not uh, a burden it, the ratio should be leaned into because if you don't lean into it and you don't embrace it and you don't respect it and respect the Canadians playing, 
um, then you will create a rift in the locker room that becomes a culture issue. So, you know, Ryan Dinwiddie is the championship head taking care of your responsibility, building that. I don't think anyone has done it better over his his coaching career than Mike O'Shea. Uh, you know, and I know there's a whole bunch of Ryder fans going, oh, my God, don't give the Bombers anything. But I, I just respect what he's built. T- players will take less money to be there. Players want to stay. And, and I think a lot that don't, stay or decide to go somewhere else in free agency, regret it later because the grass isn't always greener. Um, Dave Dickinson, I think, had a difficult quarterback decision to make and, you know, he stays in not only sustained success for Calgary and he stays in Tier 1, though, because of how well he managed the changing of the guard from a Hall of Famer to a new young guy in in Jake Mayer. So I, 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 you know, that, that just kept him even stronger in tier one and Steinhauer, you know, he's got a couple of rings as a player. He's built the culture there. That Hamilton team has been in the fight, even with quarterbacks playing up and down and injured and not injured. Um, and I, I love what he does, you know, both on the field game management, but also in building the culture. I wonder though, a lot of people are saying, okay, Bo Levi Mitchell, he'll probably choose Hamilton because of a more stable situation with Steinauer. Might be easier to win coming out of the East, quote unquote. And Dickinson is on in the last year of his deal along with Jeremy O'Day. But I think Orlando Steinauer could have a, a little bit more of a hotter seat than people want to think about because they've got around the mix, but they have, they took a step back this year. Regardless of why we think they took a step back, I think he could be under some pressure too. Yeah, I think they're, the up and down play of their quarterback situation was part of the issue there. But you know, you're right. I, I, hey, every one of these coaches are on the hot seat, and they all know it. I mean, you know, Jason Moss has to have success early in 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 Montreal. I, you know, I think you know Rick Campbell. I think a lot of people are going to look and see what he does without Nathan Rourke and that phenom the way he played and. Um, you know, and I think Craig Dickinson's in the same sort of boat. I mean, they, they have to start strong and, and show that they're going to be a competitive team top to bottom. And again, I really like a lot of what Craig does. Uh, when you're talking about whether Bo would decide to go to Craig or Orlando, um, you know, I, I think you, you win either way. And Craig, the only reason to me he's not in the top tier, because there's so much of how he handles a team that I like, but... I think we saw uh, a guy who was at times throughout the season, I'm just going to be honest here, at times throughout the season that um, wanted to back his players, but at times didn't realize that while he was backing some players, he was letting down others because the players that he was backing didn't seem to understand it, didn't get it, didn't understand that it wasn't about them. It was about the team and the success of the team. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he went a little too deep in, in defending and backing some of those players. In general, yes, you want to back your players, but if they're guys that don't get it, then what are you saying to the rest of the team? So I, I think Craig is so close, <laughs> you know, yeah. to being that guy. And I, I think, hey, if you're Bo, uh, honestly, I, uh, you, you want to know who the OC is. And you want to know if you got a chance to win, and then you got to make sure your wife's happy. I think that's probably what Paul was talking about. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we'll talk to you on Thursday, Glenn. Thanks for your time, man. 
Okay, thanks. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Glenn Suter will put up his uh, coaching ranking here on our Twitter feed coming up in a bit. We'll be back with more of the sports cage and the guy we just talked about, Coach Craig Dickett, in his weekly Monday spot here on 620 CK. Prices. Sports talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Just trying to get a hold of the coach, Craig Dickinson. Whenever we have Craig Dickinson on the show, it's brought to you by our good friends over there at McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, McDougalAuctions.com. Riders looking for an offensive line coach and now a defensive line coach because Ben Olsen, after a couple of years, is leaving for Incarnate Word and the Cardinals and the FCS. They made it, I believe, all the way to the semifinals. Speaking of the FCS, their national championship game went down yesterday in Frisco, Texas, sold-out stadium. It was green and gold and blue and white and yellow. The South Dakota State University Jackrabbits against the powerhouse NDSU Bisons. Ballsy, why are you talking about the second tier of college football on your show? Well, it's because it's really competitive. My son plays in the league. It's good football. It's excellent football. And we had a couple of Regina kids get a national championship trophy out of the deal. Max Paulus, Chuck. From Sheldon Williams. Had a cup a cup of coffee with Sheldon Williams. I coached him early on in Spring League. Then he left down south for a bunch of prep schools. And the other guy, Ethan Vibert, great offensive lineman for the Juggernaut Miller Marauders. He was down there as well on the team. So both of them are champions. Max's first morning. year with uh, South Dakota State. He yeah. wins a natty title. No big Not deal. too bad. Not too bad. He was a receiver that switched to defensive back safety, special teamer, cutting his teeth. And Max or uh, Ethan Vibert doing a good job in the O-line. He started one game, got injured, and then uh, didn't ever get his... Uh, his uh, spot back. Got at, a big natty title tonight. That's right. That's going down at SoFi. Our, our old stomping ground zinger. Yeah. SoFi. We were there to watch the Chargers and the Dolphins and the Rams and the Eagles. <laughs> anyway, it's the uh, NCAA FBS championship game. Georgia Bulldogs over TCU. It should be a no-brainer. Georgia should roll them with uh, Stetson at quarterback against Max. Is it Duggan? Max yeah, Max w- Duggan used to, he was up for the Heisman Trophy by the way. I too. wonder if this Georgia quarterback he seems like a type of guy that's not going to have like a a good NFL. Career. He looks like a CFL guy. He, to me. He, he, he's yeah he's like he looks like like a four fifth six maybe six seventh. Yeah, and he can. He run. reminds me of like AJ McCarron. Remember kind of with, with Alabama a little bit more athletic maybe. than AJ McCarron. Yeah. He can run around a bit. So uh, maybe something in the CFL. I know a CFL team used to have him on an egg list. I don't know that they do anymore. So, yeah, there'll be some good football to watch. Remember when the tonight. Riders had Darren Sproles on their leg, leg oh, list years Darren ago? Darren Sproles, the yeah. former Charger. Uh, yeah, very good. Undersized running back. Well, we were supposed to get a hold of Coach Craig Dickinson. He is, I think he's on route to Kananaskis. Maybe he put down his phone and went snowboarding because they have their uh, winter meetings there where all the bigwigs get together. We have a list of coaches that are going to join us from there this week. We'll hear from actually BC Lions, um, BC Lions general manager Neil McAvoy has been on the show a couple of times. We'll hear from Danny Machocha, GM of the Montreal Alouettes. We'll hear from Dave Dickinson, coach and GM of the Calgary Stampeders, and we'll also run into Orlando Steinauer as well. Uh, let's rewind back to what Glenn Suter had to say with his coaching tears. Uh, 
What did you? A stark contrast to what Luke Molitor said. Luke Molitor had Chris Jones in the top tier, and then nobody else. I disagreed with that. Um, I don't know that I'd put Chris Jones in the third tier, but so here's what he had. He had Bob Dice, Chris Jones, Jason Moss. Moss with his second tour of duty as a coach, as a head coach. Uh, Chris Jones back in Edmonton for year number two, and Bob Dice getting his first real crack at being a head coach. He had mop-up duty in Ottawa and Saskatchewan before. Um, what do you think of that tier? I don't I don't really have any disagreements with it. Really? You put Jones in the third tier? I, I think so. I, I, think, Jones I don't is, think he's a very good head coach. I think, he, I think Chris Jones is a very good talent evaluator. He should actually look at... Focusing on that, or and like less defensive on coaching. coordinator. Well, he is D coordinator and and uh, talent evaluator. About, how, how can you say a guy's a good head coach if he doesn't really care about the quarterback position? That's or, the vibe yeah, that I get. And he doesn't because he because I think he wants all the praise. Mike 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 Riley, then Mike Riley, now Michael Riley, the retired quarterback. He's the reason they won the championship. He had his best year. He was in the peak physical shape. It was the top of his career. That's why they eked out that win over Ottawa and Winnipeg in 2016. Um, I would switch. I would probably put... Hmm. Was it 15 or 16? I think it was 15. 15. Sorry, 15. Sorry. I would put Bob Dice, Jason Moss in Tier 3. Yeah. I'd have two in tier three, those two, because you got to prove it to me, Jason and Bob. Bob's uh, he's got to prove Bob, it too. Uh, yeah, Bob has some good potential. But Bob, Bob has a chance to jump tiers. My tier two, I do have. Um, I do have Rick Campbell. I do have Ryan Dinwiddie. I do have Craig Dickinson, and I put Chris Jones in there. Guys won a great cup. He did. Turn this team around. We almost got to the Grey Cup with Chris Jones. We had a home playoff game here. Like he isn't a he isn't a grease fire as a head coach. I'd put him tier two. Do you agree with that tier? Well, you, Jones, you'd put in tier three. But you, do you agree with Suits, Campbell, Dinwiddie, and Craig Dickinson in yeah. tier two? Uh, for me, like the way I look at it, my tier one is just Dave Dickinson and probably Mike O'Shea, and then from there you can just fill in fill in the tiers. You know. I, yeah, I don't think, you know, I, I agree. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're right, you're right. I would... Like Orlando Stein, yeah. for me, I, he's not, I, don't, I don't think he's tier one. And to me, and there's only two coaches yeah, Stein, in the league. Yeah, are, I agree. So we got a, we got two in tier three, and then I got one, two, three, four, five in tier two, because I think Steinauer is also there, because he hasn't won anything as a head coach. Mm-hmm. And then tier one, you're right. Dave Dickinson, because he's always in the mix, in the tougher division, the West division, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens now that he becomes GM and head coach. Although I fail to, I fail to uh, believe that um, John Huffnagel's not going to have anything to do with it. Okay, yeah. so tier one Dickinson and O'Shea. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I, mean, I think I'm closer to agreeing with Suter than I was my color commentator partner Luke Molliner. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I get that one. I don't know. Chris Jones in a tier on his own is. It's going to be interesting, though. It's going to be interesting. I need some help. Chris Jones, help me help you. Like all, that one line from yeah, <laughs> uh, from uh, replacement. Or uh, no, uh, no, help me help you was uh, what's McCall Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, but, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, yeah. Help me. Yeah. Help you. <laughs> that's me. To help Luke. me. Help you. <laughs> that's me to Luke pleading. <laughs> so, so looking at this though, um, Chris Jones in his second year, wherever he goes, it turns around. 
Yeah. So that could bode very, uh, very well for Edmonton and not great for the rest of the uh, CFL, like the Riders, who are very much in a state of flux. But Edmonton does need to win. They haven't won at home in two calendars. It's going to be the same old story for Edmonton if they don't uh, find a quarterback that they can do something with. Let's be honest here. Like Nick Arbuckle, come on, crazy. Nick Arbuckle. You got uh, you got uh, what's his name too? Um, I could see Taylor some, Cornelius. Yeah, I he see. didn't look bad. He yeah, just, and he signed a new deal with them towards yeah, the end and, of last and, year, and a lot of uh, hard money too. Yeah. He's kind of a middling quarterback, yeah. though. Interesting. Yeah. Hey, we do have this big game on the line tonight: Georgia and TCU, and we will head to SoFi Stadium next and catch up with our own Farhan Lalji, who's covering it for TSN. This is the Sports Cage on six twenty C forty five. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage. We've got the TCU Horn Frogs, the former team of Reggie Hunt, the Reaper. From your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, also Ladanian Tomlinson, famously. The Red Rifle and yes, Dalton. Andy Dalton against the Georgia Bulldogs, the school of Herschel Walker. I don't know. I can't think of any other Bulldogs. There are a lot of them. Quay, I mean, Quay they, Walker, the yeah, guy got tossed yeah, out they, of the game. Yeah, they had 15 guys go to the NFL last year alone in the draft. So Georgia is a powerhouse about to uh, win their second straight championship. Uh, I think they'll win. But, I mean, stranger things have happened. The Michigan Wolverines got uh, got punked by TCU. So uh, anything can happen. I did put money down on Georgia, so it's not like a, it's a big revelation. But uh, let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline and talk with our friend Farhan Lalji. What's the vibe like there at SoFi? I believe this is your first time there. Am I right? Are you kidding? Just so far? No, I've been here about five or six times. Oh, okay. NFL here before, and certainly a lot of college football playoff games, not here, but elsewhere, and uh, just fantastic vibe. You know, you don't know what you're going to get, Ballsy, in California, right? Like, Mm -hmm. probably the the least cool vibe of any college playoff game I've ever been to is the national championship in Santa Clara, right? Because the Bay Area and the Northeast are probably the two areas in America that care the least about college football, right? So... There was no vibe. I sold out, but barely. Whereas here in L.A., it's still pretty good. And, and this facility is just fantastic. I'm on the field right now. Uh, the bands are here. The fans are filing in. And it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of purple here. So we'll see which fan base traveled a little bit better. But, um, you know, I, 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 like, I like Georgia, but TCU is slowly, slowly, slowly getting me to believe. Really, you think TCU could pull the upset? What are they? What What are they uh, like? What are they uh, underdog wise? Like, how far are they uh, in the underdog role here? Like a touchdown down? I didn't even look at that. No, you know what? Actually, they're thirteen and a half point underdogs. The line went from twelve and a half to thirteen and a half in the last day, depending on what book you're looking at. I don't know. You know, like the truth is, I, I kind of feel almost like I've got a better handle on what TCU is than I do on what Georgia is, especially defensively. Because, you know, they came into the year losing eight players in the defensive side to the NFL, including five in the first round. And you weren't sure how good they were going to be. And then, you know, they picked it up and went undefeated in the SEC. But, what, like, just watching them in the last couple of games, I don't know. Like, I don't feel good about their secondary. They're really young. There's plays to be made. Their pass rush isn't as dominant and overwhelming as it once was. They still have questions in their receiving core, right? Like, they're so good at tight end. But wideouts, like they've been able to recruit five stars everywhere, but wide receiver. 
So I'm, I'm trying to get a sense of, you know, is this team the team that is showing some flaws against good opponents, or are they still that elite team that's going to show up on the big stage? My gut is, you know, I tend to be this guy, and I think a lot of us are like this, that we'll go through a game where one team's an underdog and one team's heavy favorites, and over the course of the week, we convince ourselves that it actually should be kind of close, and it never is. So my gut is that Georgia's going to win and cover, but I'm just trying to really get a sense of what they are defensively right now. I think TCU would have had a better chance had Ohio State not pushed Georgia to the brink, but I think that was the wake-up call the Bulldogs needed, and I think they're going to run over them like a speed bump in the parking lot. Yeah, you know what, and you could be right because – you know, you go through these last two games, especially on the back end, and you get torched as much as you did. It's going to force you to really, really focus on some things and fix some things. Like the LSU game, you could almost contextualize and say, you know, much much of the yardage came late in the game, and, you know, we were up by three scores in the first half, so some of it was going to be score effects, and you can kind of rationalize it that way. But Ohio State, like I'm telling you right now, if Marvin Harrison doesn't get hurt in the third quarter, Ohio State wins that game. There's no doubt in my mind Ohio State would have beat them. So I think they did, to your point, get Georgia's attention. And, you know, we'll see how much you can tighten up in nine weeks. But, you know, they're like this is a team that is generally so good up front they don't need the blitz. Well, they showed against Ohio State. They had to blitz a ton in that game, almost 50% of the time. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what they are defensively. But uh, – you could be right. Ohio State may have got their attention. Is this Stetson Bennett kid? He's 5'11", 190 pounds or thereabouts. Is he a, Is he kind of a CFL like a quarterback? I don't know. I, you know, I don't know if his, if his arm talent necessarily fits to the CFL, but he moves around pretty well, right? Like he's got he's got pretty good pocket mobility. He's kind of underrated in that area. There's a lot of times where he's had to escape. I did an interview with him a couple of days ago. He's like he's literally five eleven. I stood next to him. I'm like, wow, you are not that big at all. Um, you know, I, I think he's such a legend down in the South that I don't know that we're going to see him in the CFL at any point, right? Like, he'll float around the NFL for a bit and then probably get a job with the SEC Network or something like that. But, mm. um, you know, it, he, he does have some intriguing traits, right? Like, the kid's a winner. He's got a ton of moxie. You know, I could see him having success in our league just by the way he understands defenses and the way he can get out and escape. He's not going to run you know, 30, 40 yards of play, but he can buy time in the pocket and find open receivers. There's, there's no question he shows that, and he's not afraid of big games. Well, Farhan, I am a dummy because obviously you were there at SoFi for the Super Bowl with the Rams and the uh, and the Bengals. So uh, are you intrigued to see how this big stage compares with that big stage? Not in terms of the halftime show talent and all that stuff. I'm talking the actual vibe and the game. And where does this na- where does a national championship rank on the things you do? Oh, look, for me, this is my signature event of the year. I absolutely love NCAA Division One college football. If you gave me the choice to cover the Grey Cup, the Super Bowl, or the Natty, I'm coming to the Natty. So I love this. Um, in terms of how it fits versus, versus a Super Bowl in L.A., I, I don't know, right? Like, when you go to this event in Atlanta and New Orleans, you know, in South Florida, which I've, I've been to all of those for the national championship, it's incredible because that's where football matters the most, right? So how does it fit in L.A.? Look, it'll be a lot better than it was in the Bay Area, but certainly a Super Bowl resonates a lot bigger here than a college football championship, which is still pretty big here. Don't get me wrong. Okay, so we're short on time, and you got a busy night, so I'll let you go right away. But the NFL playoffs are about to get going here, and we won't talk to you before then. Is there a team 
Going into the playoffs, nobody's talking about. Now, people are talking about Cincy, so I wouldn't even put them in that category. Is there a team that could make some waves that a lot of people aren't talking about? Wow, it's a good question. You know, I could fish you off and say Jacksonville, <laughs> but I'm not going to go there because I know you're, you, got your, you got your Chargers. And yeah. I am picking Cincy. I am picking Cincy to win it all. Like, I love Kansas yeah. City. I love watching Mahomes play. You know, if I had a rooting interest, it would probably be there. But I do think Cincy has got the best offense and defense playing at that level right now. You know, and, and truthfully, after that, I, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, like the only other team I would say is San Francisco, right? And, and I know their defense has had some hiccups the last three weeks, but I just, I think it's an elite team. And, I, you know, for me, I've, I've looked at Brock Purdy, you know, and I was that guy a couple years ago that thought no way San Francisco can win with Jimmy at quarterback. Like, they just can't. And even though they were close and one position away and almost did it, you know, I, I kind of felt that that was just inevitable. Whereas this, I think Brock Purdy could do it. Like, I think he could do just enough for that team. And they're so elite in terms of their roster everywhere else. A couple concerns at corner. But generally, you know, their defense is solid. They've got receivers. They've got great backs. They've got versatility. You know, McCaffrey's healthy. They're good in, in the trenches on both sides. Both uh, playing like a stud. And I think Purdy can do enough for them to win it. But I still think it's going to be Cincy. Enjoy the game tonight, Farhan. Thanks for your time. Take care, buddy. That is Farhan Lalji joining us live from the turf at SoFi Stadium, the stomping grounds of Zinger and Ballsy as we were there uh, early part of December with our sports cage uh, trip courtesy of CAA. It's the Georgia Bulldogs and the TCU Horn Frogs if you're into NCAA Div 1 National Championship Football. When we come back after the 5.30 news, Pat Chatmore with Connor Bedard in his six-point night, four goals and two assists, and two-time Super Bowl champ Tyrone Poole joins us. He's back in the new year here, folks. We'll get ready for the playoffs with him. This is the Sports Cage on 620. Your sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781 2090. We're getting all set here for the College Football National Championship tonight. The TCU Horned Frogs ranking in at number three. They're taking on the number one Georgia Bulldogs. That's a 6.30 p.m. Saskatchewan time kickoff. There's four games in the NHL tonight. Philadelphia's in Buffalo to take on the Sabres. Nashville's in Ottawa. The Seattle Kraken at the Bell Center in Montreal. And the nightcap, the Edmonton Oilers in L.A. to take on the prices. This is Pat Chat, brought to you by the Canadian Brew Houses in Regina and Moose Jaw. Well, for the first time in 57 days, Connor Bedard was on Brant Center Ice, and he did not disappoint, scoring four goals and two assists, extending his point-scoring streak to a mind-boggling 28 games. The Pats routed the Calgary Hitmen last night, 6-2. to two. Here's Bedard after the game. What have these last few days been like, just a blur or a whirlwind, or how do you describe it? Yeah, it uh, you know feels like it. It's flew by. I think with uh, you know obviously we had a back to back there, semis and finals. So uh, you know you're you're taking a lot of energy with uh, you know how, how intense those games are. And, uh, but it was awesome. I think you know being being in front of that crowd and, and with the group we had, we were, we were so close and uh, it was just so much fun. And then obviously to come back here and uh, you know I was glad, glad we had a game pretty quick, kind of get back into it and uh, you know see the boys again. So it was, it was, it was a good good last few days. We sort of left up to you from what John said, whether to play. Uh, 
did you give any consideration to just getting a bit of a rest because it's been a pretty crazy month? Uh, no, I mean, I was I was always going to play. I think, uh, you know, especially with that game, obviously Calgary's, you know, a close team in the standings. So, uh, you know, I wanted to go out there and, uh, you know, try to try to help us. And, uh, you know, for me, I don't think I ever really, really thought about not playing. And then how cool was it to go and get four goals? <laughs> it, was, it was good, I guess, but, uh, you know, it was, it was good for us. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, obviously Friday the boys were pretty pretty upset with that one. Obviously a tough loss, and uh, this was a big game to, uh, to bounce off. <clears throat> you know, I'm just trying to play my game, you know, wherever I am. And, um, you know, for me it was... It's obviously, you know, an honor to be able to play there, and um, you know, when I'm when I'm out there, you're you're having a lot of fun with those guys you're playing with. So I don't know if it took a leap, but I definitely learned learned a lot of things from being in that tournament again and uh, being with those guys. What's like to come here, Pat? You need some wins in a playoff race, and, and uh, do what you did tonight. Like you said, uh, you know, pretty tight race here, kind of final five to nine or five to ten or whatever it is. So um, you know, it's obviously a competitive league like always, and uh, you know, for us, that was that was a big one. How neat was it just to play at home again for the first time since November 12th? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was nice. I mean, uh, you know, I missed it. Uh, you know, favorite rank. So, uh, but no, I mean, for me, it's been it's been a while. Like you said, you know, a couple months since I've since I've been able to play here. And uh, you know, what a turnout for us tonight. It was uh, you know, it was energetic and uh, you know, a lot of people here. So, uh, you know, it was exciting for us, and uh, we're looking forward to continuing that. How long had it been since you really felt that kind of buzz in this building? Um, there's there's definitely some games. I think uh, obviously home opener was, was pretty electric, and uh, there's been some games. But um, you know, I mean, I kind of forget because it's been so long since we played <laughs> here. But uh, you know, we always we always have it good, and uh, you know, we're lucky to to be here and, and have these people. Speaking of the atmosphere, you won the gold medal in front of fans this time around. What was it like on the ice there after that? Yeah, it was it was nuts. I mean, every game, every goal, it was. You know, it was, it was crazy. It was nothing I had ever experienced. You know, obviously 11,000 11, people in there, you know, uh, having fun, screaming all the time. So uh, it was it was electric, and, uh, you know, that, that whole city supported us so so much, and, uh, you know, it was an awesome place to have it. For the World Juniors for Team Canada, uh, what do you think was the turning point, whether it was a game, a goal, what do you think was the turning point? Uh, I don't know if there's a turning point. I mean, obviously we lost to a good team in the first game, and, and that's going to happen. And um, you know, for us there wasn't wasn't really any panic. I mean, obviously we we had to figure out what what went wrong. But um, you know, in our room we never you know lost any confidence. And uh, you know, I think you know people people take it pretty far when you lose one game when you're on you're on Canada. But uh, you know, we knew what we had in our room and, and how good we were. So uh, we never really kind of. You know, thought about thought about the loss too much. It's getting kind of surreal. How this last month has been for you? Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, for myself, I think it's hard to you know really look at it. But um, you know, when you when you kind of do, it's pretty crazy to be in that tournament and, and win another another goal. I mean, that's two in you know, four or five months for you know the eight of us or whatever it is. So uh, that part's you know pretty crazy, but. Uh, you know, for me, I'm obviously trying to take it a day at a time, and uh, you know, it feels like you're you're still just playing hockey like you were as a kid, and that's kind of how I look at it. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz, Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, before we hear from Tyrone Poole, two-time Super Bowl champ, let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline and speak with Jim, one of our great sports cage shareholders. How are you today, Jim? I'm great. I'm glad you got uh, the 3 o'clock, the 6 thing. Yeah. That's great. I do disagree with uh, the 
uh, coaching thing, I think Chris Jones is tier three because of character. Uh, character coaches are guys like John Gregory, Ken Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Jones dropped Edmonton, came here, took some of the coaches with him, and everything was great. Then he saw uh, not a great chance in the NFL, but mm-hmm. at times so he went there. That didn't work out. Then I read on social media he was so happy, and I've driven through. It's a beautiful old city because uh, my son lives in Nashville, so I've driven through Pittsburgh, te- uh, Tennessee. It was his dream job coaching high school. Yeah, He dropped them in the middle of the season and went to the Argonauts, dropped the Argonauts, and went back to Edmonton. I mean, if you're a head coach... You have to have character if you want your players to show character. And to me, Chris Jones has not showed character. Good call, Jim. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening. Tell all your friends, 3 to 6, I appreciate it. Uh, let us head out now on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. First time we've talked to him in 2023, Tyrone Poole. Tyrone, I'm watching you act in a play. First of all, first of all, how long does it take you to memorize your lines? How long does that take? Oh, wow. Oh, wow, man. Uh, yeah, uh, acting, that's something else that people don't know about me. Uh, acting, playing football, American Ninja Warrior, gifted. But uh, actually, you know, it's, it's a skill. Um, you know, there's different ways uh, that I've learned. Uh, I will speak. Uh, all of the play, all of the play. You, you have to read the whole script. You just can't read your line. So I have to read the script. And what I would do is record what the people are saying, whoever I'm interacting with in that scene. I would read their line. And then I would pause when I have to speak and see if I can speak it without recording it. But I will record it, but I would give myself space if that makes sense. And then within like the time frame that it takes for me to say that line, then I would record myself saying the line. So I would say their line and then pause, see if I can remember what to say. And then a few seconds, a few minutes, however it takes for me to learn that line or say that line, I would then hear my voice uh, reading that particular line. So basically I learned my lines through recording myself speak the script. It's unbelievable. Second thing I noticed, all right, how, what are you, 52 years old, 53? How old are you? Yeah, 52. 52 years old. Dude, you're cut like a diamond. Those, those arms, I wouldn't even be able to pay attention to what you're saying. I'd be just looking at your jacked up arms. What's a workout? What supplements look like for you, man? Uh, you know what? I always tell people this one thing. Whatever you slay in the past, you're going to eat in the future. Whatever you slay in the past, you're going to eat in the future. So I slayed fitness all throughout my childhood. You know, always was active as a child. Uh, I remember we did the presidential fitness test. You know, I, I push-ups and sit-ups. But, uh, you know, what I do now, I just try to make sure I take my multivitamins. Uh, I try to make sure that I understand the basic philosophy. Staying in shape is basically burning more calories than you take in. 
Uh, most people get older and they slow down. No, you got to keep the same pace. It's just like setting your car on the, uh, uh, you know, the speed. You're you setting the speed and you keep it there for your life and your body will take care of you. So whatever you slay in the past, you'll eat in the future. That's what I believe. Like me, you're a man of spirituality. Um, I, I don't, uh, you know, I, I, I keep my religion to myself, but I do believe in the power of prayer. You obviously yeah. believe in it, and we saw a great example yeah. of it, if that's what people believe in, with DeMar Hamlin basically dead coming back to life. You know, the one thing, Michael, with that, it shows that regardless of what people think and what they try to uh, uh, show in the public, that they don't believe that there's a God and all this and that, because I think literally people want to be their own God. But when it comes down to it, when something happens in life, people are saying, pray, pray. Who are you praying to? Evidently, you're not praying to yourself, whereas before you were all about yourself. But then when tragedy, tragedy happens, adversity happens, people then... That true spiritual being of who we really are, the true spiritual being, now understands that there is a God. God, please help us, help us. So I was glad to see that, that that, that, that people, regardless of what they believe, uh, the, the way they act, they all understand and believe that there is a God Almighty, a Heavenly Father, a, a spirit that is, is, is greater than we are. So, uh, But it's good to see that the prayer, uh, power of prayer. When the righteous come together, man, prayer, it reveals much. Let's talk about J.J. Watt retiring and your thoughts on him. Can you compare him to somebody that you played with? Well, you know, when I look at J.J. Watt, you know, first and foremost, what I do, Michael, I'm like, okay, what makes a, a, a great defensive end, first and foremost, you know, because we're all unique, you know, people get into that comparison, you know, Michael, LeBron, you know, whoever, whoever, Ennis Smith, Barry Sanders, you can't compare people. They are all different, but what you can compare is what does it take to play that position? And when you look at J.J. Watt, you know, J.J. Watt, he was athletic, you know, he was a perfectionist. Uh, you know, I remember seeing videos of them showing the guy staying late at uh, after practice, and he's working on drills, working on the swim moves. So, you know, he's a perfectionist, okay? Uh, he's agile. You know, we, we see his uh, ability to avoid blockers and uh, his great vision to be able to recognize run versus pass. So, you know, when you look at the traits of a defensive player, you know, that's what he possessed. And then when you go and you look at, like, all of the guys that have played throughout the years, you know, he has the same uh, attributes. You look at a Bruce Smith, you look at uh, a, a Reggie White, you could put him in the, uh, at a, as a tackle or put him as an end. You could look at Julius Peppers, who used to play with the uh, uh, Carolina Panthers, and uh, the even late uh, uh, Kevin Green. You know, I mm. think Kevin, you could either stand him up or put him down. But if I had to compare one person, uh, and this is somebody that I did not play with, but anybody who understands uh, Los Angeles Rams football would probably agree with me. Um, Jack Youngblood. Jack Youngblood. I'm like, mm -hmm. Jack Youngblood, defensive end, motor, motor, motor city, uh, you know, always uh, around the ball. And uh, that's what I uh, see J.J. Uh, Watt. All right, let's talk about some of these coaching uh, firings. It's Black Monday now. Now, uh, we yeah. have to factor in the guys already gone. Nathaniel Hackett, Frank Reich, Matt Rule, and then Lovey Smith was let go. That Texans team's a grease fire. They fire, they fire coaches in back-to-back -back years, only giving them one year each. And then Cliff 
Kingsbury goes away. Uh, but with Kingsbury, it's interesting because Kyler Murray got the big money. Do you trust Kyler Murray anymore as a franchise quarterback? Because I kind of don't. Well, you know, this is what I want to say right here. Um, when it comes to a team, the word team, T-E-A-M, okay, it takes the coaches and the players. And the coach will only make his players as successful as the player by the coach to help them become great. And, 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 and what I'm saying is sometimes you have players who think they are, are above the law when they get paid. Mm-hmm. You know, when I get paid a certain amount, I'm supposed to act a certain way. You know, and, and still we got to understand it takes a team. You know, uh, uh, yes, you are a great talent. Uh, but we all need someone to guide that great talent. Uh, uh, a NASCAR, NASCAR, the, the car has the engine. It has the sponsorship, but it still needs a driver. So I think until players who make all this money uh, really understand and humble themselves and say, hey, you know what, I want to be the best, and I want my coach to help me be the best, then, you know, you're going to have this, you know, tug of war, and you're gonna see coaches getting fired. And I'll close with this: I heard the uh, late great Al Davis say this, and probably this is where a lot of owners say the same thing: uh, you can find coaches anywhere, but you can't find find great talent. So yes, Kyler Murray has talent, but unless he gets someone to help him uh, maximize his talent, then you know he's not gonna be able to see the greatness of what teamwork can do. When we come back, we'll pick the brain of a two-time Super Bowl champ on the first-round playoff matchups. Dolphins, Bills, Chargers, Jags, Bengals, Ravens, Vikes, Giants, Niners, Seahawks, Dallas, Tampa. Tyrone Poole on the sports cage here on 620 Sports. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the sports cage on 620 CKRM. Happy birthday going out to Ocho Cinco, Chad Johnson. Bengal receiver, primarily, we had him in Montreal for one season here in the CFL. I love his bio line. McDonald's is cheaper than therapy, and never forget, you're paying for sex indirectly, but the word relationship changed the narrative. That's pretty funny. (laughs) Uh, I don't even know what that means. Well, that means you're paying for sex in a relationship. Uh, It's just not paying for a hooker, as it were. Okay. He was always off the cuff. This guy really... (laughs) He scored one touchdown, I think, with Montreal. I think so, yeah. Against Calgary. He was a great Uh, receiver when he played with the Cincinnati Bengals, and he always had the great sideline pom-poms and all that stuff. He always had the the nice Celtic dance when he scored. Um, What did you think of Chad Johnson when he played Tyrone Poole? (laughs) You know, Chad's a, 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 you know, Phenomenal guy. I think anybody that gets to that level of NFL status, of professional status, uh, you are doing something great. And the one thing that I w- would uh, say about Chad and all other offensive guys, you know, when they are rolling, when they're having a good game, they're going to talk a lot of junk. But as defensive guys, when you start putting that uh, uh, leather, as they say, them shoulder pads on them and, you know, start making it tough, making life tough for them, then they tend to get quiet. So the key with guys like Chad, you got to shut him up early. So if not, he's going to talk you all throughout the game. And that's what the Dolphins are going to have to do with Stephon Diggs and such with the Buffalo Bills. Dolphins play the Bills. Dolphins probably won't have Tua in the game. Do you like the Bills in that one third time the charm? 
Uh, definitely. You got to like the Bills again. If Tua is not playing, then it's going to be a problem because this is the time when you're in the playoffs. It's sort of, sort of speak, the best of the best. And uh, if you don't have your best on the field, then you're kind of handicapping uh, yourself. So uh, this should be a pretty good victory for the Bills. Plus, uh, you don't know what that weather going to be like up north, even though uh, I hear people saying it's a mindset. But I can tell you this. When you are behind and the weather is cold, it does slow you down because, yeah, that weather does play a, play a part. So I'm going with the Beals. Tyrone, fun fact for you. There are two cities in North America with the nickname Queen City, Regina, Saskatchewan, where our show emanates from, and Cincinnati, Ohio, known as the Queen City. The Bengals take on the Ravens. Lamar Jackson, will he be back? Won't he be back? Even if he is back, he's not 100%. I got Joe Cool, Joe Burrow in the Bengals. Yeah, I think even, like you said, if um, uh, with the, the the way the Bengals are uh, are playing, and when I say playing, uh, they were able to get back to the playoffs. Okay, they were able to get back to the playoffs. Unlike the team they played the previous year, the Rams, uh, they did not. So by the Bengals getting back to the playoffs, that tells me that their mindset as a team, they understand what they are, are out there to do, and they're playing as a team. So that's what I mean by coming into this situation. I think they're playing pretty good. So uh, Lamar Jackson, you know, he's had that time out, uh, and he may have a little rust. And, and, uh, you know, he may try to come and do a lot of running and, but still, I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals just because they've been there before. I think they have a great chemistry, uh, offensively, mentally. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm going with the Bengals. Do guys remember when they got their ass kicked in the regular season? Cause the Chargers got smoked by the Jags in week three, 38 to 10 right in LA. Joey Bosa's back. Mike Williams is going to play. They're saying he's going to be good enough to go. It's just a little contusion in his back. He was hurt yesterday in that meaningless game to get uh, uh, Kenneth Murray, their um, their uh, linebacker back. Uh, all systems go for the Chargers, but this could be a close game against the Jags. Yeah, like you mentioned, alluded to, when teams get blown out, yes, you do remember that. Uh, you, 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 know, you call that bulletin board uh, uh, material, and I'm pretty sure the Chargers are going to look at that, and that's going to give them motivation. But also, it gives the Jaguars uh, motivation to say that, hey, you know what? Uh, we beat these guys before. And uh, the Chargers are not going to change their game plan. Uh, the Jags, the Jaguars are not going to change their game plan. They may manipulate it a little bit, but still, at the end of the day, I think the game will be closer. It won't be a blowout, but still, you, uh, I'm going to go with the Jaguars. I, I just think that uh, you know these guys have a mindset that they're developing. And uh, 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 Trevor Lawrence, I think he's beginning to see the light. So, um, yeah, when you get a team that plays together, man, I'm like, yeah, opportunities really are off the charts. All right. In the NFC, the Vikings at the Giants, they played a close game in the regular season. Uh, I joke it's not in prime time, so Kirk Cousins should be good. I think Minnesota, I think Minnesota spanks the Giants here. Yeah, you know, uh, when it comes to the playoffs, I will say this, okay? You run the ball in the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl, all right? Uh, you do throw the ball, but you run the ball. The more you can run the ball, even though we're in a pass-happy league, still games are won by running the ball, okay? But then once you get into the Super Bowl, you got to have a balance of run and pass. 
And uh, so, Colin Barkley, I, I just think, you know, the Giants, you know, if he gets going, he runs that ball, uh, I think the Giants could upset the Vikings. So, I'm going to go with the Giants. All right. Okay, good. I like that. Uh, Niners and the Seahawks. I thought it would be the Packers in this spot, but it's Geno Smith and the Seahawks against Brock Purdy and the Niners. Not exactly a marquee matchup at quarterback, but all the same an interesting one. Yeah, Brock Purdy. He's he's starting his Tom Brady uh, uh, <laughs> maybe. maybe possible uh, story, you know? <laughs> yeah. An opportunity to get in there, at least a team to the Super Bowl. So, uh, But I think Kyle Shanahan, you know, he has – so much available to him, you know, even his dad. I know Mike Shanahan has to be they, – they have to be sitting at the table talking about what, how, when, where. So just with that little bit of uh, uh, intangible uh, with his dad, I, I'm going to go with Mike Shanahan. Okay. Uh, Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, what was Mike Shanahan uh, like – what was Mike Shanahan like to go up against? You know what? Mike was a player's coach, man. He was a player's coach. And when I say player's coach, the practices were constructed to really allow the players to uh, take care of their bodies and to benefit uh, the team on the field. But he was a guy who was uh, strictly dotting the I's and crossed the T's. He had his philosophy. And, uh, you know, it was proven. So I love Mike Shanahan, enjoyed my years with him when he was the coach of the Denver Broncos. And did he give you a challenge when you went against him as a coach? Uh, you know, uh, it's always that zone zone running, zone blocking. So uh, the key is to just penetrate, get between those guards and tackles and try to get into that backfield. But, you know, he's always going to come with that play action. And uh, they always had that one little route where uh, the single receiver would run and then sit down like maybe 20 yards in the middle of the field and you would have the quarterback boot out and they try to throw that route. So I'm pretty sure Kyle Shanahan is going to run that sometime uh, during this weekend. Hasn't been a great year for Tampa Bay and uh, the GOAT Tom Brady. They are 8-9, taking on the 12-5 and Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys don't play great on grass. That's been uh, proven. And Tom Brady in the playoffs, you never want to bet against your old teammate. But uh, who do you got in this game on Monday Night Football? You know, that press got really people upset with him a little bit, um, uh, some a whole lot. But I'm going to lean on Dan Quinn. I'm going to lean on Dan Quinn a little bit here, the defensive coordinator. And I think Dan Quinn is going to do just enough to rattle Tom. And, yeah, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, Tom has gone through a lot of uh, uh, controversy, but he's trying to put that thing, that train back on the, on the track. But I just think uh, Dan Quinn has too much talent on defense, and I think he's going to come up with some game plan that's going to cost a couple of turnovers that's going to get the Cowboys to eat. So tell us what work that thing means and maybe give us a work that thing a player from the last game of the regular season. I have one in mind, but I want to know if you have one in mind. Yeah, I got a special, special uh, who worked that thing this weekend. But, yeah, work work that thing just means that basically you overcome adversity. You overcome uh, uh, obstacles that try to hinder you from being great. Okay, so you have to work that thing. Whatever that thing is that causes you opposition, you're going to have to work to get over that thing. So this week it's just a shout-out to all of the playoff teams. It's the playoffs in the NFL, baby, and this is the the time of the season you want to get into. Everybody else is at home watching you, and you have an opportunity to get that Lombardi trophy. So to the 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 Forty Niners, the Seahawks, and 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 just the Giants, the the Vikings, and and the 
Cowboys, the Buccaneers, uh, those are the work that thing uh, players, teams of the week. It's right. showtime, baby. Yeah, can't wait. It's going to be great this weekend. Uh, and quickly, who do you got tonight, Georgia or TCU in the national championship game? You know what, man, look at here. I think Georgia's going to edge it out, but I think TCU going to represent themselves. I'm going with Georgia. All right, man. Where can they get a hold of Tyrone if they want to catch up with everything you do, including supplements to get those cut arms? Yes, yes, got to get the cut arms. Uh, well, TyronePool38.com, uh, TyronePool38.com is the website, and TyronePool38 on all social media. So if you got my name, my first and last name, and my football number, then you got everything about me, website and social media, TyronePool38.com. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate you. And we wrap up the show with the Super Bowl champion, Fine Style. Coming up tomorrow on the show, Chris Jones will join us to kick off the show. No, not the defensive tackle of the Kansas City Chiefs, but the head coach, GM, and everything in Edmonton. He will join us, as will Geno Lewis. Zinger, when people want CFL news, when they want CFL interviews, where do they go? The voice of Saskatchewan. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Zinger at night coming up right around the corner. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.